There's two ways you can look at anything in this life. Take my job, for instance. I could get up every morning and go, oh, <laughs> I don't want to go and help a bunch of kids. I'm tired. But I don't. I get up and put on my shirt and my tie, and I say, hot dog, let me at him. Do you actually say the words hot dog? Yes, I do. Welcome to Freak Chat. This is episode four. I'm Alan, and I'm joined by Magellan. Hey, hi there, buddy. Who's who's that? You got a little you got a little partner with you. Uh, hold on, let me just uh, open up this pouch in your pocket. <laughs> Whoa, little gnome! Cool. Hey. <laughs> we have a special guest here on Freak Chats this week, folks. It's Jessia. Yay! Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for coming. I heard you have history with this show, and I heard that you watched it with Mel this week. <laughs> you also have history with one of the co-hosts of the yeah, show. I do. I've never said your name on the show, but I've alluded oh, to I'm you. Oh, I'm outed. Yeah. From episode one, I told people, you can guess who the guest is going to be if you've heard a character that we've brought up multiple times, and it's the it's the elusive girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I'm very elusive. That's the adjective <laughs> most find people it. use. Nope. Well, I mean, usually in the pouch. <laughs> right, the pouch that you stay in. He puts yeah. like popcorn in there, and then you just kind of nibble until. Yeah, we just had. Some we just kettle had corn. some kettle corn. Yeah. Crazy how celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> celebrate what? <laughs> this one. Never mind. No what? Twenty seventeen. Uh, celebrate twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. There you go. I got you. I, I leaned out of that skid for you. <laughs> no, no, it's just one year anniversary. Oh. So finally, I finally made it onto the podcast. Yeah. After a whole year of, <laughs> of vetting, <laughs> I waited a long time. I was like, "No, I really need. We need like full interview process. We need like, <laughs> yeah. the lab results." Well, also the only episode you saw of the last show we did was like <laughs> in the middle of the third season, right? And it was ten minutes of it, right? That's, this is true. That's the other. But big freaks and issue. geeks. Yeah, tell us about um, you and freaks and geeks. Well, so full disclosure, I like have never been a huge, huge TV person. I do and into stage stuff, <laughs> the theater. Uh, that sounded snobby. That's kind of a not Millie, I mean. if you will. Yeah, you're kind of a Millie character. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> no. Relatable character. Oh golly gee! No, I don't even have a relatable character in this show. Anyway, um, but in middle school, I my best friend was like a real homebody, and like we'd curl up on our couch, and she introduced me to all these shows. Our favorite was Dawson's Creek I was obsessed with. And I see, like, a few similarities in Freaks and Geeks. I mean, Dawson's Creek is more melodramatic, but there are moments in this show. Anyway, but we we watched some Freaks and Geeks. Like, she watched all of it, and I would come in for an episode here or there. So it, like, rang a bell when Magellan said that you guys were doing this podcast. And now I've been – I know we're only eight episodes in, but I've been I've been keeping up to date. So <laughs> that's my story. It's exciting, and yeah, you, and you've been watching uh, with the other guy the last couple of weeks. Is that correct? More or less. Mm-hmm. But actually, two of the 
best episodes I've seen so far. I watched on my own and I was yeah. laughing a lot. The ones that we covered for our second episode. Mm-hmm. Those are good ones. Yeah, three and four. Yeah. Strong pairing. Uh, speaking of a pair of episodes, we watched a pair of episodes <laughs> this week. Yes, we did. That's uh, unusual. It's not unusual to be in love with this. by anyone. There you go. Not on your Oh, Alan, you and I can never sing in sync because we're on Skype. Right. But if Jesse or I were to burst into song, it would be rather simple to <laughs> sing together. That's just a thought. It, whatever. Ooh, it's sort of the, check, the Chekhov's gun. It's the, chick, the Chekhov's gun of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned and when you it's hear sort that of the, at home. the Lindsay's $300 of this episode right right how's how's it gonna go how's she gonna fuck this one up <laughs> that's my question at the beginning of every episode is how's Lindsay gonna fuck this right up I know and it's always something Man, unique and beautiful she's not I'm not her I'm not anybody in this show yeah we'll talk I, about okay. I mean yeah we'll talk about it I uh, so to start off we watched two episodes this week we watched episode seven. It's called Carded and Discarded. We also watched episode eight, Girlfriends and Boyfriends, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Carded and Discarded was written by Feig and Apatow, and it was directed by Judd Apatow. It's a fancy uh, little pairing. Uh, I thought this episode was okay. I always appreciate some Rosso stuff. Um, I think that the Rosso plot mm. just like ended without a third act, um, which yeah. was really strange. There's a lot of like momentum building and then just like nothing happens in that part of the episode but that's kind of real true to life like it doesn't end cleanly and the arc isn't about like and then we went to the bar and it was awesome it's just like oh we went and then it like we probably got in like a little bit of trouble it's kind of mm. it uh-oh whereas the geeks plot uh what even was the geeks plot there? oh that's the friend <laughs> oh Maureen. my god the yeah. worst the geeks plot managed to take me from like oh i love neil i love Sam and Bill, there's all these cute little boys to like, ooh, I hate, I hate. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate. It's when boys. you remember that they're men. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I will say that, like, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I, I, I had moments in like elementary school, dear Watson, where I would. Uh, <laughs> there, <laughs> there was like a, a new student, and everyone was like, I want to have the friend. But like, they're older than that. Like, come on, guys. Right. And was the new student, like, was it, was he or she pretty? Like, was that the reason they <laughs> you wanted a friend? I just wanted friends. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's fair. Like, it's cool if someone's new. But it was, it was ridiculous. There was some, like, Baywatch stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. Like, uh, Neil's like, she's, she's <laughs> oh my God, she's them. running towards us. <laughs> yeah. And Magellan said, which I... Yeah, which is probably true that they're, like, trying to comment. On- well, sort of. I mean, at first I think I was saying that, but then by the end of the episode, it was kind of unclear how self-aware the commentary was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This episode got under my skin. Mm-hmm. My skin. Or at least that plot. That plot. The, the I mean, other one was kind of lame, The too. other, the fake ID stuff also did as well, but the Jeff Rosso bookends really saved everything for me. Mm-hmm. That's because <laughs> he's your most relatable character. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you you grow up as a Nick, but then you grow into a Rosso. That's the arc of your life. Yeah, well, you start as a Bill. Yep. And then you become a Nick, and then you become a Rosso. And then me. you finally me. achieve the me ultimate too. goal of becoming a Mr. Weir. That's like... <laughs> yeah, you, oh, my God. <laughs> He's the best. 
He's but also, beyond. wait, why am I blanking on who Nick is? Nick is, uh, Jason Siegel. like, uh, Oh, Nick? Yeah, Nick. Nick and yeah. Tom. You don't, don't want to be Nick. You're no, you Nick. don't. No, you no, don't, don't. want to be Nick. Exactly, but you, so we <laughs> all have to admit <laughs> that at some point we were Nick? a little bit Nick. I think I was a little bit Nick at a certain point, yes. Yeah. And that's fair. Glad I met you after that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my Jeff Rosso phase. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going full Rosso. <laughs> um, where to start? Yeah, let's start with the Rosso stuff. It's The episode starts with this like very, very large group therapy session, I guess. Yeah, yeah. which doesn't really make any sense. None of it makes sense. Like, this school must be like 30 people. <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen all of them. And they've yeah. just run out of. They've yeah. run out of new characters to show us. Um, and, and Rosso is, like, telling them stuff about, like, you need to stop being burnouts and you need to, like, go to school and be... That's his whole thing. Is he's like, just be good. Just... I know you're not because I was like you once. I went to Woodstock or something. Let yeah. me play some Alice Cooper. Here's something. Here's something that's, like, hashtag relatable to the kids. He totally becomes the, like, ha- the relatable teacher. Like that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda SNL sketch where he talks about like, hey, you kids know Hamilton, but what if it was a rap? <laughs> and then like <laughs> does that joke, but no kid actually wants that because there's a moment when he's playing the Alice Cooper. He's playing uh, I'm 18, I think is the name of the song mm-hmm. by Alice Cooper. And there's a moment where they're like, yeah, rock on, uh, Rosso. But then they're like, no, this is stupid. Like this, I think Ken says like, I've never hated Alice Cooper so much in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I well think- Nick likes it. Yeah, I I think Nick is a what's simpleton. what's fun about that sequence is that they did enjoy it when it was happening in a sort of like uh, furtively tapping your foot way. But then as soon as they walk out, they have to put on the airs of saying, "Ugh, oh my god, that guy is the worst. I really hated that." But I think they did kind of like it and did kind of think it was cool. They uh, yeah, I mean it, it's like it works, but it's also corny as heck, and they acknowledge that. Yeah. I mean, it it really reminded me of um, the times where at school, like, I've been able to tell students that my college roommate used to listen to Kendrick Lamar, you know, like, I know what I know what you're talking about. I know what's hip. I know what that rap music is all about. I've heard my fair share of tunes. And then you dab once and then you are crowned the king of the Mm -hmm. teens. I did have a student who asked me to dab one time and I was like, I'll do it tomorrow. And then he came by tomorrow and I was like, I don't don't want to. And then he's like, come on. And then I did it. And then he's like, why did why? Why was that so hard? (laughs) Uh, Dabbing is hard. Dabbing ain't easy. It's my new rap album. (laughs) uh so that scene just kind of goes where it goes and then we get to this like really sad feeble attempt from the weir parents to get their kids to participate in their lives well yeah one piece of that scene that i thought was important was all the all the freaks had left and then rosso holds Lindsay back and he like i mean you brought up this point jesse that a lot of the teachers are very nihilistic in the show yeah. Um, well, the adults in general. Yeah, the adults. Like, well, her dad, obviously, but in mm-hmm. a funny way. <laughs> um, but he says, like, you're of a different stock or something yeah. like that, which is, it's just it's just really odd to see how how the teachers have decided, like... Have, like, the, categorized yeah, the students. Just as much as the students categorize each other. Yeah, yeah. They totally and, do. Even from the... What, what episode? One of the first episodes with like the math teacher and and uh, oh the Daniel. cheating episode and Daniel yeah. yeah the cheating episode like they're yeah they've just given up on some students. Alan, what was the title of that? Episode? I was about to say, Jesse, are you talking about tests and breasts? <laughs> yes, tests and breasts. 
<laughs> yeah. I love those are my two favorite things. Mr. Weir wants to play Pit, y'all. He really just wants to play Pit. <laughs> yeah, he does. Which Again, as someone who's recently gone into, like, card and board games, I kind of want to play Pit. I'm really curious what the rules are. It seemed like it had a Settlers of Catan. Catan, exactly, yeah. Catan. <laughs> Is it Catan? I don't know. It's, probably, it's I mean, Chris Catan, right? It, felt, it seemed to me... <laughs> you know? <laughs> it seemed to me... That's like, how I always remember how to pronounce Chris. It's Chris Catan. I mean, Chris Catan, yeah. Sorry, uh, oh no! It seemed to me like like a an adult version or a, or a more intense version of Monopoly. Monopoly, yes. Yeah, it had a similar. Because like you bargain in Monopoly, but it <laughs> it was probably made at the same time, like the Depression, when everybody wanted to pretend they were rich. People. Right. I I don't know the Weirs. I just uh, I want Mrs. Weir Jean. Yeah. To Jean. like have more more mm-hmm. like just more of like something um because she just seems like she's just this wife and mother and and mr we're so funny and she's like not as funny yeah and it's like can't she can't like she could be like kitty on that 70s show you know that's a good right. example actually yeah and like both of them uh What's his name? Red. Uh, Red. Red, yeah. Kitty and Red are both like hilarious in their own way. And Red's kind of doing the same thing. It's a Mr. similar Weir's thing, doing, yeah. yeah. And Mr. We and Kitty's kind of doing the same thing, but she has more of an edge, like way more of an edge. Yeah, that's true. The problem is that Mrs. Weir gets like it's almost like they're trying to play the contrast really hard, where Mr. Weir gets to like have all these fun lines about how badly he wants to make the kids play pit, and then she has lines like uh what's what's mr weir's name i don't remember yeah i don't know but she says that she's like hey bill or not bill obviously but she's like hey you want to have sex her method was, of flirting is to just say it, which that is cool. was it's kind of the funniest dumb. that's like the best line she's had so far though hey, want to have sex like yes yeah. <laughs> okay. want to have a little sex I, th- I think it's important we keep the wording because it is very funny that want to have a little sex yeah i want to have a little sex that's a good point <laughs> Well, I think it, part of it is, I think that a lot of the adult characters in this show are rendered in the way that it seems like a show that's like remembering 1980 more than it is set in 1980. And mm-hmm. so that's why, like, Jeff Rosso, to a certain extent, is the caricature of the guidance counselor who wants to be hip. Or Kowchewski is the, car- the caricature of the teacher who's a jerk. Or the gym teacher's the caricature of, like, the whatever, the gym teacher. And then the dad is sort of the cartoonish version of, like, my dad was in Korea. Mm-hmm. And the mom is the cartoonish version of, like, my mom was kind of a demure mom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily excuse it. I think there – I agree that there's, like, a way to write the mom character that's more – that gives her more material to work with because clearly that that actor is very good. I know. Yeah, she's very good. But I do also – like, it does, it does feel kind of true to life that people would have – in some cases, someone might have more of a kind of jokey interpretation of who their dad was and of his reservedness and more of a sincere remembrance of what their mom was like. Right. It is. It's just like, and then my mom was just nice. She was really doing her best, and we disobeyed. Like I think, in if you read it that way, like this is about about like remembering high school for better or for worse. It makes sense that they are constantly disobeying her because you know, as a kid, you're just like, oh, sometimes I would listen to my parents, but the times where I didn't, ooh, let me tell you those stories. Mm-hmm. And that's why it feels like the weird kids are just constantly like that. First scene is 
Lindsay's like, I'm going to go out Friday night. And then Sam's like, yeah, I guess I will too. And the dad's like, no, like, why do we keep doing this? <laughs> why do you get to leave all the time? And I don't have any say. Like, he finally remembers that he's supposed to be a dad yeah. and gets to, like, lay down the law and be like, no, we are a family. And he says that really good, like... I feel like I've heard lines similar to that about like, you, we're not a hotel. We're not like employees at a hotel mm, for you. Mm-hmm. Very relatable. Very true to life. I absolutely loved that speech from from Mr. Weir at the beginning of the episode. Uh, I thought it was really funny. And it it's nice to kind of return to this theme that we saw in the Halloween episode of the parents wanting to spend time with the kids, but from a slightly different angle um, from his perspective instead mm-hmm. of from the mom's perspective and from the perspective of like, um, instead of special occasions, it's, you know, family board game night. We want, we want to hang out. We want to whatever. And it also gives us a side to the dad where he still in his very forceful way is showing that he wants to spend time with his children and that he cares about them a lot. So I enjoyed that scene. And overall, I I enjoyed their entire arc over the course of the episode, the mom and the dad trying to spend time with their kids. And it made me sad, you know, made me a little sad. That's, that's the, that's, that's the consistent thing with the parents the weird parents is just like oh they just want something nice they want a sense of normality and like peace in this household and they're not getting it and also just to avoid talking about the elephant in the room of this episode before i get to it i want to ask did either of you ever have like game night with the family uh yes (laughs) (laughs) i sort of my my mom my mom didn't really like board games for some reason but my dad and my brother and I played all sorts of games. We have an entire... Actually, the first photo that I ever sent Magella before we started dating is a picture of our board game collection. Hey. It's huge. And so once in a while, we got our mom to play. And that would be everything from... Actually, a lot of Monopoly to like... Well, we played some physical... There's a there's this like Israeli game with a ball called Gaga. Do you know? Cool. Anyway, that's not a board game. That was a tangent, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I think board game night was more of a thing that would happen when, I mean, this is the thing. I don't know of a lot of my friends' families who have a board game night, but for me, whenever we would play board games or card games, there was a reason that we were doing it, either like we had cousins visiting or we were visiting with my grandparents or something or now when it's christmas and everybody's home from college and the feeling is we should do something we gotta hang out we gotta spend some time together Mm -hmm. and so we get into the kitchen play some board games i um i didn't have anything like that (laughs) it's weird as someone who plays a lot of video games that i never had like games experience with my family other Mm -hmm. than uh, my dad is really, really into, well, he's into two main games. He's really into cards, um, which mm-hmm. like him and the other Arab dads, whenever they'd have like family parties, had to stop playing cards because it got legitimately uh, kind of violent. Not like anyone died or got physically injured, but it was like tables have been broken before wow. <laughs> when they play. Yes. Um, well, there's like a family member that they stopped hanging out with partly because of how angry he got playing cards. Uh, it's wow. a whole thing. So there's that. But I never played that. And then also he taught me how to play backgammon. Um, mm-hmm. which is really fun. Backgammon is like... My uh, grandma taught me how to play backgammon. 
that game and at least the way that my dad taught me how to play it is like you're it's like a little bit of luck and a little bit of strategy but you're kind of just moving pieces around and then you get to have fun throwing the dice over and over and over again like it's a mm-hmm. game for old men to play while they tell stories it's 100 percent that yeah totally so i like that about board I, I don't know board games are really cool and i always liked when i got to play them but i didn't have like structured family times although i do definitely mm-hmm. i did ha- i do have nights even today where my folks are like maybe say hi to us for an evening because it's yeah. really easy in this day and age yeah. to not do that totally. we played with my grandparents a ton too mm-hmm. yeah that's a, it's it was a good like we there. couldn't like hang out with them without or like stay at their house it's like oh, we're always gonna play yahtzee or <laughs> gin or mealborn which is this french what is it mealborn it sounds like thor's hammer <laughs> 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 or like cribbage. <laughs> oh, cribbage owns. Cribbage is really good. Cribbage, cribbage owns. It does. Cribbage does own. This you is twenty first century culture. Can Everything blends. Huh? I thought I wanted to teach you cribbage, but I don't think I did. Cribbage yeah, is like co op, isn't it? Like it's two on two. No, no, not the way. Well, it can. Yeah, what are you thinking of? There's a card one. game that I heard people on like a different some other podcast talking about where they're like, oh, we got way into. I thought it was cribbage. I might be wrong. Oh, is um canasta. No. The bridge? One? Are you thinking of bridge? bridge? I'm thinking of bridge. Oh, yeah, bridge. not cribbage. Bridge. <laughs> bridge owns. Cribbage I've never played. Oh, cribbage owns. It's <laughs> cribbage owns. Owns. I'm sure it does. It uh, does. You know, it doesn't. Uh, what, what's what's the elephant in the room? The elephant in the room is the plot about the, the geeks. Yeah. The geeks, for the very first <gasps> time, discover a real girl. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what no. I mean. It's, it's evil it's so bad it's like embarrassing but again it's one of those like this show is starting to flourish when it encourages us to just be like oh look at these dum-dums look at how bad <laughs> they are at talking to women like oh yeah. my god there's a new transfer student at mckinley high school and her name is maureen which is a very 80s name mm-hmm. she's very she's very traditional cute which like she's I cast guess, incredibly right. well she's just right. like cute she's you know um and she comes to school and, and they kind of have that moment of like, if we're not the first people to talk to her, then she's going to be friends with someone else, which is like really toxic thinking to start with. Oh, yeah. It's just like, and then so much language, so much language about which one of us gets her, which one of us gets to have her, which one of us gets to take her first. Yeah, you didn't share her with me. Oh, my God. Yeah, these boys are sexist. Yeah. <laughs> it's real bad. The, I hated it. It's it's like deplorable, I guess. It's just, but I, but so you know what though? Like we were talking about this a little bit. I've had moments in when I was young, definitely younger than the geeks, where there were like new kids in school, and I was like, I want to be friends with them, so they don't like anyone else. Um, and for better or for worse, that doesn't always work because you know people aren't objects, which is a weird right. idea, I guess. Um, secret subtle thing that I never noticed about the Maureen plot uh, every time she's on screen and there's a montage of like we're hanging out with Maureen isn't Maureen cool they play a different Billy Joel song <laughs> <laughs> it's always Billy Joel it's like they play this one of the one of them like hey Rosalinda or whatever the song is uh-huh. they play that one like twice or Rosalinda's eyes that's the song and so that part's like charming like they did really good music music choices with all of that but the whole plot about like oh like we're going to, like, take her out and, like, do nerdy stuff with us. Like, we're going to, like, shoot rockets in the parking lot. But she says, wow, Bill, you have a big rocket. It's like, ugh. And she's so she's played so naive, too. Like, she doesn't realize that she's being flirted with. And she's, like, just so 
She's like um, another version of Cindy, who gets who gets kind of good in these episodes. I'll say that. Well, at least she's more interesting. Yeah, definitely. She farts. <laughs> Cindy farts. Yeah, great. Great, no. great lesson for all the boys. That's all there. it takes for all for a woman to be interesting or One undesirable. <laughs> if you take Bill's stance, no, she has, and then Sam. Sorry, we're skipping. But when Bill says that she cut the cheese, Sam's like. No, she could never cut it's the like, cheese. Yeah, no. Like, no, you're making it up. It's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Girls on part, they shoot rainbows out of their butts. But like, does like did though did those conversations happen and do they still happen? I don't think I was ever that preoccupied with people farting. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was not the farting. Which stuff. conversations? The like, the like. Oh, this person is so attractive, and like I like her, and you also like her, and a little. Yeah, I think that has a chance of happening. I definitely. I mean, when it gets to the point of like you didn't share her, that is a lot. But the thing of like who gets to ask her out, or if you're friends and you like the same person. And one guy decides, I'll back off, man, as if it's your mutual decision. I think that those conversations do happen. Yeah. It's just crazy because that, that just like, I mean, at least in my experience, that just doesn't happen with women. Not, and not to be all binary, but you know, that this is a very heteronormative show, at least so far. Um, although Bill did dress as a woman for, (laughs) for Halloween. That's true. Um, but, like, that just doesn't happen. And then it's, I mean, I guess ultimate, if there's like two women who like the same guy, it's just kind of like, well, we'll both try to flirt with him and see which one he chooses. And then on the other side, it's like, it seems like it's always men. It's like, oh, men choose. And None women- of the, very, very rarely are the women on this show horny, is one of the problems that it runs into. Well, they, the well boys... Neil, Neil even says women don't yeah. get horny. Yeah. That was like, yeah, he says that. He goes, Neil, girls don't get horny. Which is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's very stupid. Like, Kim Kim likes Daniel, and Kim is, like, horny for Daniel. Legitimately, super duper. Loves to watch him play. I feel you, girl. 100%. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Cindy, I like, there was a brief shot where uh, Maureen was walking into the classroom, and then Cindy looks at her. Yes. And like, yeah. Wait, what if? <laughs> what a beautiful side universe we're oh sitting in. Oh, I um, thought that was more like, oh no, there's another pretty girl. <laughs> another but, generically pretty white girl. Damn right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm ruined. And also, just, they're like, oh, how weird. She's foreign. She's from a different place. And she's like, I'm from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to Detroit. What's up, guys? I'm white and thin. <laughs> and I've nothing... brown hair. Exactly. Yeah, brown eyes, brown hair, everybody. And then she's like, oh, my dad moved here for General Motors, which, aw. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. And then I think Neil says something like, my parents have a Coupe de Ville, so we're basically related. Which yeah. Is like, That's such a shit way to flirt. What are you doing, Neil? <laughs> I need Neil to do well. If Neil's going to be me, I need him to succeed and be happy and normal and good. But he's not. Um, Sorry, this is totally backtracking. Yeah. What's not that? totally. But when you were saying that she's play- she seems really naive, I was just thinking about that. And actually, I don't think she is super naive. She's just like at a new school and doesn't know anyone. And it's even if these like three guys, like three nice guys, like mm-hmm. seem 
it's like maybe they like her in her head. Like, it's like, okay, well, I mean, these are my only friends right now. Yeah. Like, I think that that's totally fair and normal. And she probably did know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to the extent. <laughs> but, like, she, yeah. yeah, she knows that they're dweebs and that they're all kind of looking at her and paid for her dinner and right right yeah although when she was like what something but she like uh, changed the menu yeah because she's so she's so manic pixie dream girl right to them but then that's that i agree with you because of the ending where she's just like i'm not leaving you you're so obsessed with who i'm hanging out with like i'm just gonna go two tables over like yeah she clearly gets it in that way in that moment yeah um but that is a good oh. point that I should have mentioned. Oh, what's up? Sorry, do we go chronologically or? I mean, Mostly, vaguely. Okay. Vaguely. Sorry, that just made me think of. Go ahead. Another, the really fucked up thing that they do is like getting Eli. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why don't we go oh, chronologically? Okay. Yeah, we'll get, get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Sorry. There's two points about Eli in this episode that I wrote down. But then, yeah, so we start cutting to the Freaks plot where they're trying to get some fakes. They're trying to get some fake IDs, fam. Yeah, a couple funny things in their first little discussion scene. Daniel says something about, or maybe it's Ken. Somebody's like, uh, old, all old people think they're smart. Like, there got to be some dumb old people. Dumb old people, yeah. <laughs> Which I enjoyed. Oh, and then Ken... So they want to get fake IDs, and they're talking about how... Everything uh, fun in this world happens in bars. It happens in bars, yep. And that... Uh, what's the band's name? Uh, it starts with an S. F- feedback. Feedback. Feedback's playing at the Rusty Nail. Feedback's playing at the Rusty Nail. It sounds yeah. like the beginning of a Bob Seger song. <laughs> <laughs> and they really got to see feedback. They got to get some fake IDs to do it. Oh, we need money. Oh, it just so happens that Lindsay just got three hundred dollars, yeah. and we, which actually was almost equaled almost a thousand dollars. Yeah, we for did. We did the inflation the conversion. Yeah, and on a hundred dollars, it's like nine hundred dollars. Yeah, because a hundred dollars is worth like two ninety two or something yeah. like that. Um, and like the second she gets that money for college, you're like, oh, where's what is she gonna? gonna go? Yeah, where's that going? Because <laughs> it's not going to college. Why are you try? You're she's ingratiating herself with the freaks by paying for their shit, which is like Ugh, that was so awful. She like, said she fine. she's gonna lend it to them, but yeah, no, no way. We know what that we know what that means. Neither a borrower that. nor lender be. What you said? Um, <laughs> it's a classic adage. Is that an adage, Magellan? I'd say it's an adage. It's a truism. It's kind of a farmer farmer's almanac. <laughs> gonna snow tomorrow <laughs> classic <laughs> bombers almanac somebody real quick side note at my job somebody recently we were talking about the weather because that's how you talk to customers as you talk about the weather mm-hmm. and she was like the almanac says it's gonna rain next week and i was like wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> it's 2017 and someone's reading an almanac like, i don't know if it's reading or if it was a website or what the fuck but she said the almanac says it's gonna rain next week <laughs> very exciting not even tomorrow yeah next next week several days from now she's really got to chart it out right but there's a lot of fun little moments in that first scene where they're talking about the fakes like nick tries a toilet and puts his arm around Lindsay, and then they even point out like don't do it. they even kind of like give him that moment they look like are you guys dating like what is this which obviously comes back and yeah well the line ken she's like i can i can pay i can lend you some money ken says i'm like more like and more one. every day oh yeah and, and nick says me too it's like, oh god nick throw yourself in a hole yeah, stop shut up, nick. he also does a good impression of daniel there 
I can't even remember what the line was. He was like, oh, it was up. <laughs> like, that's a good, <laughs> surprisingly good Daniel. Um, and I was like, damn, Daniel. And then, uh, <laughs> did either of y'all ever encounter fake IDs in your lifetime? No. At all? Uh, no. What do you mean encounter? Like, did you have someone who was like, had a fake ID or wanted to get one? Yeah, I knew people who had fake IDs, but I never wanted one. I never understood why pe- I sort of judged well, it's kind of the thing where, like, before college, I kind of, like, was like, how could anybody ever do drugs? And then I was like, <laughs> I'm still not super into doing drugs, but, like, if you want to do them, it's fine. You know? But with fake IDs, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I'm rambling. <laughs> I, I never had the impulse to drink underage. I think I, I had a lot of, I don't know what the right word is, fear, I guess, around that because there's been like alcohol problems in my lineage um and so it was something where i was kind of like yeah you know what i'm just not gonna mess with it until it's legal and i can become a alcoholic yeah (laughs) no No. not worry about this stuff but i think i like i I knew people and or knew of people in my freshman dorm who had fake ids Mm -hmm. and then when i was an ra we kind of knew who had fake ids nice but I've never seen one. I, um, in high school, never, ever encountered that. Although we probably, again, probably knew someone that had one. Yeah. Uh, and then weirdly in like t- fr- a sophomore or like junior year of college, two friends were like, we should just get fake IDs. And they're like 19 at this point or 20. Yeah. Just get a friend. Just wait. Just wait a year. Yeah. Like a couple months or some places will just let you in. Like you're close enough. Yeah. I didn't really get with. In college, like freshman year, I knew a number of people who had fakes. Uh, and it was so that they could go to parties at bars. But, like, we were in, like, Palo Alto. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't really make any yeah, sense. Um, and then there. and then everybody, like, there was always alcohol available. Like, yes. Like, I never, like, I never, I didn't buy alcohol until I was, like, long after I was 21, obviously. Yeah. But, like, there was always alcohol yeah. around. So, no so- fake. I just remember those two guys. Sorry, you were going to say something. Oh, no. It just like, I would be so stressed out about getting caught and I'd feel yeah. so oh, bad. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to go to jail and I'm doing a bad thing and my parents are going to hate yeah. me. That's how I felt when I was first using my ID when I was 21. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, okay. no. Oh, no. Yeah. It's legal, but I'm still going to get caught. I was yes. kind of like Daniel. You're a little bit of Daniel. Yeah, Daniel. That was so dumb. Yeah, damn, Daniel. Um, point is that I remember them being on like this very sketchy Chinese website that was like asking for a lot yes. for fake IDs and you're like what do you why why and then everybody went to China you're totally right you're totally right everybody got like, them from China <laughs> well what's great and to take it back to Freaks and Geeks is so the reason they're doing it is because these are kids who drive a lot and who uh, hang out with people who are older than them. So the bar scene is definitely still romanticized in their heads before they're mm-hmm. going to hit 21 and realize it's a travesty <laughs> of, a, of a hobby sometimes. Well, they're going to hit 18. I think the or, yeah. age was 18 still. Yes. Right. Um, so they're really into That's why Ken says everything fun happens at bars because they are old enough and they've experienced adult. They've seen adult life enough to go, I want I want to be able to do that. That's why they get fake IDs. But then the like... It's like a cartoon, the way that they go about getting them. Um, Because it starts with, uh, they go to the, like, 70s clothing shop, I think. Mm -hmm. And Daniel knows a hookup. 
and um the main guy at the clothing shop is in this like cool polyester t-shirt with like psychedelic patterns on it and then he's like my lackey boy please come and it's 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 a little teenage jason schwartzman hi <laughs> you're gonna be in movies someday you can yeah, do it but yeah he he's he's okay i think his name's gideon in this or something um yeah. his whole thing is or Howie. Howie Gelfand. There you go. Mm. Howie's a good name. It's one of the Master Boys' names was Howie. Uh, no. Yeah, totally. Was it? It's like the, dark, oh. the like, cool one. The um, cool one was named Howie? Yeah, totally. Howie. Oh, okay. It's the 90s, dog. Yeah. Um. So I'm trying to think about it. I have notes that jump back and forth, but there's like, you know, they, they're in the clothing store and then he says like, oh, I can get you all these things, but it's 50 now and then 50 afterwards. And I'm going to like, let me look at your face. It's just a chance for Jason Schwartzman to be weird. He's yeah. just like, oh, let me get a chance to look at your face. So I'll memorize it and then get you perfect fakes. Also, everybody <laughs> wants to flirt with Lindsay. Yeah. Also, everybody is white and has brown hair and brown eyes. And yeah, that's, that's the best thing about that whole thing is he's like, yeah, you. Here's you. Brown hair, brown eyes, white. White. Next. Brown hair, brown white. eyes. Also white. Good. And then Daniel's like, "Hi, I'm the third one." <laughs> no, it was brown. It was uh, pretty brown hair. Yeah, such Lindsay. pretty brown hair. Why does everyone want to fuck Lindsay? You're so gross, men. Yeah. Both both Jason Schwartzman character who who comes back to the school later and basically I like this moment where he gives them the IDs and they're like these are so bad these I'm a I'm not a Chinese man from Canada <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like we want our money back and he gives them their money back like there's no conflict <laughs> yeah, there's no problem at all he's like okay sorry about that couldn't find anything I, he says I can't find no one looks like you in Canada which I think they're- is ironic because I think Seth Rogen's from Canada. There really is no point to that diversion except to make them do something more drastic, I guess, but it feels oddly paced. The, the guy also invites them to a sale at the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's like, I got a sale on t-shirts. You come by, I'll hook you up. With the sale price, probably. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. There's no hookup. Um, and then they're like, I love that. They're like, what are we going to do next? And then Daniel's like, that was my only hookup. Like, what if they just stopped right there? And they're like, okay, guess we can't get fake IDs. Mm-hmm. Next episode, A plot is done. Uh, but alas, we go to who we always go to for when we need uh, some really nasty illegal shit. It's Millie. <laughs> <laughs> the, they're in class and Lindsay goes and turns in a mm-hmm. test. And the teacher. Oh, yeah. It's just really shitty about it for no reason. It's not a he, race, Lindsay, but if it was a race, you lost because Millie <laughs> turned it in first. Yeah. Okay. Weird. Thank you, Mr. 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 Isn't that dad? From dad from Even Stevens? Even yes. Stevens? Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor's name is... Mr. Dad. Is obviously... Do- not Donald Logue. Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's Steven from Even Stevens. He's probably Steven. He has like a cool name. He's not, his name is like Kevin Paladin or something. His name's Shia. <laughs> it's Shia LaBeouf, dude. I'll never find it. Point is, it's a dad from Stevens. He's great. But he's like weirdly mean. And then she's like, Millie, you, you remember your cousin? She's so clearly not listening to Millie, who's trying to tell this whole story about like this cousin, like tore their family apart for a while and they like isolated him and didn't talk to him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, anyways, anyways, does he still sell fake IDs? And he's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> what do you want? Don't go do, but she says, I won't like, she's like, where is it? Where does he live? So we can go. And she's like, I won't tell you. You can find that on in your own. It's just like some Batman shit where she's like, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you how to do illegal shit, but you know how to do it. I'm not going to stop you. Go for it. <laughs> Get caught. Mm-hmm. See what I care. 
Millie is very like she's getting a little bit like rougher with Lindsay. Yeah, she not, is not just being like innocently like, oh, you need to be good. It's just like, fuck it. You're going to be stupid. Go do it. Go have sex with Daniel. I don't care. Or Nick, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go to Kevin Corrigan's house, who is definitely one of those actor faces where you're like, it's that one guy. That yeah. Guy. <laughs> He's so that face. He also is. looks, that's like such a weird cart. That's the most cartoonish thing about the whole A plot is yeah. they go to this creepy guy's house. He's Millie's cousin. And uh, he's like talking about like the pharmacy is closed, which is silly. It's like you wouldn't yell out loud that you sell a prescription drugs. <laughs> and then he, he says, yeah, I sell fake IDs, but only one person can come in at a time. It's so sketch. Very sketchy. And uh, it's just a series of sketchy moments where... Uh, they all go in. Well, Daniel goes in, and then they have that really unnecessarily long scene where he's explaining yeah. how taking the picture works. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and he's like, uh, so how does this work? You just, like, get a laminating machine? And he's like, no, idiot. You don't get a laminating machine. You want to get arrested? That's illegal. And then next scene, when it's Nick and Lindsay, he's like, all right, so the laminating machine is doing its job <laughs> right now. <laughs> You're like, why did you say that at the beginning? Yeah. I'm confused. Um, that really well performed that character. Yeah, he had has this tick of starting his sentences three times and then giving up on them. That I I thought was funny in a very sort of overbearing and creepy way. Exactly. Um. I yeah. Kevin Corgan definitely just one of those actors that you're like, oh, you've got like got a talent. Also, um, great costuming. Very good costuming. Very good. Like he's not that much older, but he's older enough that it's creepy. Because yeah. he's your cousin. He even says like you have to remember that he's Millie's cousin. So at one point they're like, uh, he's like, oh, Lin- Lindsay, give me your number. And then she says mm-hmm. no, and he's like, it's okay, I'll get it from my cousin, uh, Millie. <laughs> yeah, Millie, my cousin. Just in case you mm-hmm. forgot. Um, and he has this cartoon plastic cutout of a license, uh, in his room for s- just this reason exactly, nothing else. <laughs> and Daniel. Yeah, like I said, it has that really long moment where he's like, no, you got to lean back. If you lean forward, it looks like you're standing into the picture. Dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb. And then they all get their IDs. And then we get a brief aside where uh, Kim finds out that Daniel is 18 already. Because mm-hmm. he's been kept back twice. Twice. Uh, which is Then why did he get a fake? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Does anybody know? Does it, is there any answer to that no, question? Nobody knows. There's no answer to that question. I guess he's maybe self, it's because he's self conscious about his age. I, guess. I think yeah. I think he he did that so that no one else would say, "Hey, Daniel, why didn't you get an ID?" Yeah. So that makes a little bit of sense. Um, and then Lindsay goes in and she gets very creepily perverted. On Are they juniors? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Juniors. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Actually. Okay. Two years. Yeah. Uh, which the worst thing about Lindsay getting creeped on by uh Kevin Corrigan's character is that or Toby is the name. Wow. Good name. Toby. Yeah. Toby. Uh, is that he's creepy, and then uh Nick is like, "Stop! She's my girlfriend," and it's like, "Fuck, Nick, you're exhausting me right now (laughs) with your shittiness." Well, she's like, "Yeah, I'm his girlfriend. That's what. What else are we gonna do?" Well, the shittiest part is the little, like, smile that he gets when she says, yeah, he's yep. like, yeah, we're dating. Yay, got her. Ugh, Nick. <laughs> I guess we are dating. Which is amazing because the next episode is about them going, are we dating? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah. they get the IDs. And just to wrap up this plot, they go to the place. I really like that set a lot where they're in the, the bar. bar. And it's uh, just something about, like, the way that they acted and dressed, like, I don't know if I was projecting, but it felt like they were trying to act mature. Not when they were getting carded. That was stupid. That was just like, um, 
Nick, the last time he lost one of his fakes was because somebody asked about his astrological sign and he got it wrong. Oh, uh huh. And then this time he's like, as a Sagittarius, I'm blah, 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 blah. And like, okay. And then the guy lets him in. And then uh, Nick <laughs> Nick is like, uh, oh, it really makes me feel young. I'm glad you guys are carding. It makes me feel young again. <laughs> Just like, um, please immediately arrest this man. <laughs> uh, and, and then, then Ken, Ken shows his, which is Jesus. Oh, that, that was funny. And he's like, hola, gracias, senor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Walks in. Uh, Lindsay does not get carded. And then the best part of that, the punchline of that is that the guy's like, why are we letting these stupid kids in with the fakes in these days? How do they, where do they get these fakes? Like, he knows. <laughs> he just doesn't care. Um, and they go to this bar and it's like a cool chill bar and they all are dressed nicely. It's fun to see what they look like when they're out on the town and they're not in like high school clothes. Um, weirdly reminded me of, and this is a little bit of a deep cut, but the Rockstar video game Bully. Which is about mm. a kid who lives at, who work lives in a private school, um, but like the second half of that game takes place in the town surrounding the school, so mm. you get to like see all of the characters like in their homeware, and they're like, "Oh, it's a night on the town. Like, what do we wear?" On that kind of situation, I like that stuff, just like costuming. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they look at the performance, and it's the lead singer. And oh, who could that be? <gasps> it's Jeff Rossell. Yeah, that was great. That was a wonderful reveal. It was. Especially because there's was. so much hype for it. It's just like, and introducing the band, feedback, and then, hey, and they hear him playing the I'm 18 song again. And it's, <laughs> it's Rosso himself. Uh, and at first, you're like, oh, the tension is going to be like, we can't get seen. We can't get seen. And then it cuts back to them later and they get handed beers and then he like stops at the end of a song and is like, hey, let's give a shout out to my friends in the audience. It's the band. Uh, what is it? Existence? Um, creation. Creation. Yeah. And their manager, Lindsay. Uh, and then they're all the way from what's it called? High school. <laughs> from McKinley High School. Yeah. McKinley like High just school. completely outing them in front of everyone. Uh, and then and he's then, like, hold on, yeah. Cindy or whoever it is, the waitress. Tina, yeah. We get these kids some pop. They really like the word pop on this show a lot. Yeah. yeah. Magellan uh, and I were both like, we'd rather have pop. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that looked like pretty not okay. It was like decent beer, but I would yeah, have I would a good go soda. For some pop. I also want to call it pop more. That's good. And then, but this is what we were talking about is it doesn't, I don't know if this is pre-recording. They don't, there's like, no, that's it. That's the end of their plot. Yeah, it doesn't go, he doesn't even like debrief with them or anything. They don't get kicked out. Lindsay doesn't get punished for using all her money. Mm, Yeah, it doesn't really end. It's entirely a one-off, no ending, like no third act story. Mm -hmm. Um, It just felt like a slice of life. It was like, oh, this episode, this this plot isn't trying to teach us anything. It's like, oh, fake IDs don't work. No no matter how much effort you put into getting a good one, you're still going to get in trouble somehow. Yeah. Because the world is small, and even more so today, and you're going to get caught in some way or another. It's not worth trying it. Mm -hmm. Alas. And then uh, the other plot just kind of spins its wheels for most of the episode and it's a lot of like uh oh we gotta draw paper out of a hat to see who gets to date maureen i will say i laughed pretty hard at the rocket scene where it's like bill you brought such a big rocket or whatever and he's like well i have a big rocket what am i supposed to do cut it in half (laughs) maureen's like oh bill you have such a big rocket it's like stop Mm. (laughs) then it doesn't launch Right, everyone else launches their cool rockets and then his just mm-hmm. it's flaccid. Um, yep. uh, I'm trying to find my next good bit of notes because they go back and forth too much. Uh, lots of Billy Joel, lots of like, ah, oh, which one? Get? And then like, 
Bill gets to ask her out technically, but he spit on. I like that he spit on the note, and they clearly recognize he's cheating. But then they go, "Oh well, he can still do it." Like, they yeah, don't, don't care about the rules. Cheated fair and square. That's all on the up and up. We can. That's how we decide who gets her. Um, and then there's more about like Mr. Weir comes in during that scene. He's like, "Really want them? To, can't wait to, to play pit with you this weekend." And then uh, the mom is like, "You can't make them do stuff." And then he says, uh, uh, <laughs> "He has that whole bit about like." You know, back in the day when the kids were disrespectful, they executed them. I'm not, I'm not swinging an axe. I just want to get them to play some pit with me. <laughs> <laughs> he would kill his kids if he could. <laughs> no, no, I don't. He just says stuff like that. And she's just weird like that, exactly. Uh, and then they realize, like, oh, the big sad part is like, oh man, she's talking to the popular kids. So let's take our friend. Our easily made, uh, easily abused friend Eli, and uh, abuse his like obsession with Three's Company, and tell him that girl doesn't like Three's Company. So he pushes Maureen out of the way, and goes off about Three's Company. And the girl very politely is like, "Uh huh, what's that?" Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's doing her best. That was truly the most ghoulish act. A hundred percent. Oh yeah, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, what makes it worse is that the episode ends with him coming to sit at their lunch table and they're like, yeah, buddy, come hang out with us. Yeah, and that's supposed to be... It's supposed to make it better, yeah. I guess. But, but he doesn't hard. know but that they're doesn't. awful to him. It's bad. It's like, oh man, Ben Foster plays Eli really well. Ben Foster, great actor. Um, but they always use Eli as like either to like tell us a story about like how we're not supposed to... Um, like the whole thing in episode one where Lindsay is like, I'm going to go to the dance with him. And is she doing that for herself or doing that to look good mm-hmm. and then now it's like oh Eli is also just an easy chew toy for us to like use mm-hmm. and then toss away and not have to talk to later yeah um, i think that's just really bad i never had any interactions with um differently abled people in in school i knew of them i knew of them obviously i still do but i never saw bullying of that sort that stuff is like that's the stuff you see like in, uh late afternoon specials about where it's like what seriously like the easiest target in the world you fucking Ugh. yeah i mean i don't think I've ever seen someone deploy another person in that way. <laughs> right. right. But I, but I, all the time, like even at school now, I see people talk to somebody who, you know, like you said, is differently abled in a way where it's sort of tongue in cheek. Um, that I think happens all the time. And I, I, even though the way that the geeks acted in this scene is really gross and reprehensible. It does not feel out of the realm of possibility. Um, and I think it is very true to the high school experience that it isn't like TV where all the people are the geeks or the popular kids. And that's the entirety of it. There is a spectrum of different standout characters, people that you kind of see or talk to sometimes or know of. Yeah. Um, and characters who get known for a certain reason. And so Eli represents um, the kind of people that all of us probably had in our high school that people would deride or talk about off to the side or speak to in a way where they didn't feel like they were speaking to a real person. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Eli's place in this show is still really important to think about and he he even that final scene where they um welcome him to the lunch table and kind of hear him out does mirror the way that we all will sometimes try to make ourselves feel better um yeah so and it's easy to remember this is this is the one like defense that i have of the geeks being terrible in these last couple episodes um is it's easy for us to remember the geeks as like the nice kids and then the freaks as like 
the morally gray ones, but like the like I said, the geeks do terrible stuff. They're not just like the nice, yeah. lovable dorks. No, it's well, char- like it's in, character their, dimension. in their send off to Maureen, I think Neil says, you know, the jocks only think about one thing. <sighs> Serious, right? It's like yeah. <laughs> Good job, Neil. I, I, I think that the show is smart enough to occasionally realize that they it's like poking fun at its characters at this point. Yeah, so I I I think I mentioned before that I was I'm I was iffy on how self aware the episode is for there are a couple of like points that make me iffy on it. One is the Eli thing at the end. Yeah. And if we're supposed to forgive them for what they did. The second is the moment where that we talked about where Nick says she's my girlfriend and then she's like I am his girlfriend um and then he gives a smile and during this episode I was thinking uh oh, we didn't really reprimand Nick for that moment but then in the second episode there's plenty of things that uh-huh. paint Nick in a very creepy domineering light that I think balanced that out um and then the third thing is the moment where the geeks are with Maureen at the all-you-can-eat place, which, by the way, is very darkly lit. It's like a weirdly kind of <laughs> ominous uh, set. Um, David Keckner arises from the shadows. Yeah, he's half shadow. Um, it's wild. <laughs> if anyway. it looked like a Friday's, that would have been incredibly appropriate for the age group, for everything. But it's like a, like a very fancy, it very dark It looks ritzy. Yeah. He's got a necktie. Yeah, yeah. And he tells them, what does he say? He's like, they're like, oh, you have to tip me 20%. And they're like, well, I thought it was 15. He's like, 15 is normal. 20 is classy. Yeah. Which I thought 20 was normal, but I'm weird. Well, so it's been, you know, 30, yeah. 30 true, true. years. Yeah. Um, but the the moment at the end of that where, again, I think one of the that we brought up where she changes one of the specials to read pan-fried butt. Mm-hmm. And they gather around it and they're like, how could you not be in love with her? And is that supposed to legitimize what they're doing? Is that no, you know? Well, it's like it feels like it's meant to be a justification, or it's meant to it's meant to feel. You mean innocent. like she's not just pretty? What? No, it just feels like it's meant to feel like an innocent moment of ah oh, shucks, like I can't help but be in love with this girl. But that's not really what they're doing. They're just lusting after this girl because she talked to them. She talked to them. So, I don't know. I was a little... Uh, I wished... I don't know. I don't know what I wished, but I was unclear about how critical the episode was being of the geeks. I yeah. knew that it was being somewhat critical, but, you know, TV... A lot of TV has to have this kind of, like, wrap it up nice feel. Or at least TV in the past. TV now does not need to do that, really. Um, but that sort of wrap it up nice feel, for me, shrouded how critical it was of them there so it's it definitely does the thing the show has been doing a lot for me where it plays both sides of the argument and i can never tell which one it's is trying to put out as fact because you get the montage of them all eating ribs and it's like oh she's just like one of the guys gotta love her right she writes butt on the thing like how charming and so you're thinking like is, am i supposed to be okay with all this but they paid for her dinner and she asks if i can pay and they say yeah. no and then that happens again in the next episode with Cindy and Sam again. And again, she's like eating some meat. a burger. Yeah. And it's like, I thought you only ate carrots. Uh, I never could see another carrot again. I would love it or whatever, Ugh, man. But 
so the, all of that stuff happens. And then um, she, later at the end of the next day or whatever at lunch, she is like looking like she's going to go towards the popular table, stops there and then comes up to the geeks. And they're like, oh, yay, we won. And then she goes, can I sit with them today? And they have this moment and where she they're like, asks them. Seriously, <laughs> she walks up and says, hey, guys, do you mind if I sit with someone else for once? And then they like get all high and mighty like, oh, we're going to like give you some final parting words before you leave us forever. <laughs> like, just so you know, those guys only want one thing out of you. She's like, it's two seats away. They're just people like I'm just going to eat lunch with them. Like, what are you? I'm sorry. I can't talk to other people. She doesn't literally say it like that, but she kind of like puts them in their place a little bit. She mm-hmm. also invites them to go. Also, yeah, she's like, they'll they'll let you sit with them. I know them. They're fine. Yeah. Um, this is sorry. Backtracking, but I didn't yeah, yeah. say it. It's like the tiniest thing, but I think ha, I told the gentleman already. But I think that uh, there's a reason that they chose Eli's show to be Three's company <laughs> because oh of the, the, the three geeks and how they're acting. Good job. I don't know. That's all. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I think so. <laughs> I also just think Three's company is an easy like. It's sort of like how Bill likes uh, uh what's the Western Dallas? Oh yeah. Where it's just like oh they like the popular like adult television show that's too old for them. That's the joke. Um, this I, is like the, I like that Tree's company connection though. I think that's funny that's yeah that's a little bit on point or it's quite on point um, and so they're all like oh I guess we're sad and then uh, Eli sits with them and then they're like oh great the lot, lot, both, connecting thread between both of these episodes is the geeks having another friend who they initially are like this person sucks and then realizing that they're just another person like them mm-hmm. and that yeah. geeks, need, need, geeks need to stand the fuck together and stop like making these boundary lines um, yeah, there is sort of a subterranean of of like a misfits. geekier geek, yeah. But because because they're just nerds, like they just like nerd culture. But then there's people who smell bad. Fuck that! Like, ugh, we'll yeah. talk about it. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was um, carded and discarded. Uh, a little bit of an underwhelming episode, kind of a bummer episode mm-hmm. in some ways, but it had some fun moments for sure. If you ask me, uh, we got a little bit of uh, what's his face Harris in here also, but all he got to do was say like. You guys need to keep he he gave once again gave bad advice. He was like, "You need to make sure that you don't lose Maureen forever because she'll never talk to you again." <sighs> yeah, Harris, aka a young Magellan, <laughs> visually not not or like physically not a uh, personality. I never saw that, but I didn't know him as a young Magellan. So. John had longer hair, much longer hair. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Magellan, the boyfriend. Let's talk about girlfriends and boy and you the girlfriend let's talk about girlfriends and boyfriends right after the mailbox it's the sound of me opening the mailbox hello freaks chats listeners this is alan bringing you yet another mailbox where i read the feedback and comments on the show i'm doing a little side and side to side dance here um, while recording and it's Friday night at 1 o'clock in the morning. And frankly, I don't think there's a better time to read comments if, if we're being just super duper honest here. Um, and that is that is our brand. It is absolute 100% honesty. I love it. I love all of you. Let's get into it. We got Twitter. We got our old standby. Our buddy. It's Angela. She says, well, first of all, actually, she links us to a clip of our girl Kim Kelly um, in a uh, Jimmy Kimmel segment where it's called Celebrities Read Mean Tweets. And Busy Phillips uh, grew up and got older and is still a very beautiful woman. So that is a fun video. Um, you can find that on our Twitter. Uh, Angela also clarifying something that I realized after saying it in the last mailbox, which was when she said that Sam knows how to rock a blue dot. She was referring to the censor over his naked penis. 
which um, is true. He does know how to rock a sensor, a little blue dot. Then replies to both of us that we have beautiful bodies. Thank you. All at once now. Angela, you have a beautiful body. Good. Everyone be nice to each other and just be fucking cool and tell each other we have beautiful bodies. Uh, moving on, she she's, then does a picture. Y'all free on Friday night? And uh, I guess Angela has a copy of the game Pit, which uh, Mr. Weir was saying that he wanted to play really badly, that like economics game. So uh, let's all play Pit together at Angela's house. I'm down, to be honest. Talking about the Billy Joel songs and then basically bringing up a lot of the stuff that we brought up on this episode. I was afraid Sam would ditch Cindy for the new girl. I hate when I'm right. The manager... Oh, this is a good one. The manager in the store where they went to get fake IDs was Trace Bolo... Bolo? From MST3K. Please tell me you guys know MST3K. I, of course, know that show. As somebody who has listened to a lot of podcasts over the last decade, I know plenty of podcasters who were inspired by MST3K. I unfortunately haven't watched any of it. I know I'm bad. I know. I know. Recommend me MST3K episodes, people. More Billy Joel. Sweet, sweet slow jams. Hashtag Bill the Stud. Now you can go far in front of her. Classic Bill. Uh, asking if we had fake IDs. We do end up talking about this in the episode. None of us had fake IDs. Because Jesse was afraid of getting caught. Angela never felt like it was necessary and was also afraid of getting caught. And I uh, never saw the interest. I was too busy hanging out in my room playing video games to, to go out and drink illegally. Nobody's home. Want to have some sex? A line that Angela also latched onto from Mrs. Weir. And then mom goes to the bedroom and dad goes to the front door. I thought the way that that scene was shot, the idea was Mr. Weir wanted to go on the couch and then Mrs. Weir went up to the bedroom because he just wanted to do it there and then. And she was like, no, let's have some elegance about this. But I might be wrong. Uh, Underage drinking blues. Well played, Mr. Rosso. Gordon's, here's a good point also. Gordon's kind of gross. It's not about him being fat. The pencil thing grossed me out. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I knew somebody who did weird stuff like that with their pencil where they would like put it between their lips and like smell it and bite it. Don't do that to someone else's pen. Gordon is kind of gross. And you're right, it is not. It has nothing to do with his weight. But I think the part of the reason the geeks see him as lesser than them is because of his weight. And that is unfortunate. But a lot of this episode, as we talk about, is about us going, wait a minute, the geeks kind of suck. Huh. I'm really surprised Cindy told Sam she was on her period. Sam didn't seem as awkward about it as I expected. I think Sam was really, like, just in the moment, like, not, or not in the moment, rather, to really think about that or, or to dissect it. He just kind of heard it. Um, I probably would have been done, been the same. Like, what? how do you respond to that? Even if you're, like, super awkward and you're Sam, like, someone, a girl tells you she's on her period, you're like, okay, like you don't say cool that's gross and rude and you don't like i don't know i don't think there there would have been a funnier way for him to react than for him to not react that's kind of my thought on that Lindsay's gonna bump oh man Lindsay's gonna bump uglies with nick just because dad said not to don't do it girl you're smarter than that i really like that a lot of the women that listen to our show are latching on to like hoping that Lindsay will be better sort of the way that we like i mean i really want neil to be better I don't. I have no hope left for Nick because I watched the show and I know that Nick never really gets awesome. Um, but I definitely like seeing people uh, find their favorites on the show. You're so easy to talk to. You're just like my sister. Horrified expression from Sam. Poor guy can't win. A very good line. Lots of good like jokes about people and their sisters on the show. Uh, and then here's just a funny uh, continuity thing that Angela noticed. Looking into Nick's house from the front steps, the windows are yellow. Looking out, they're clear. Did you notice that? I did not. You have a very keen eye. And 
That's a weird little thing. I might just be like tinting or lighting or something. I have no clue. And then also just, that was a nice brother-sister moment in the kitchen with Lindsay and Sam. I agree. That was like the best scene from that second episode. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. Thank you, by the way, Angela, for the tweets. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. We got an email. We got our very first Freaks Chats email. Yay! I would put more applause here, but I already used our applause budget on the introduction of the episode. This email comes to us from our old buddy, N-Static Dax. Um, from If you ever listen to our Farscape podcast, uh, Dax sent us a lot of really great emails back then. Um, I'm not going to read this entire thing on the mailbox here, but it was a great email. Um, basically, I'll, I'll read the beginning of it, and then I'll just kind of jump around. Um, Greetings, Alan and Magellan. Congrats on making it through Farscape and on to Freaks and Geeks. Not really sure if congratulations are called for, but it feels like it. I mentioned a few weeks ago on Twitter, I recently did a Freaks and Geeks we watch on my own, so I wasn't planning on watching the episodes again so soon as I was just going to listen to the podcast and try my best to remember things. But then you guys mentioned how unlike with Farscape, you didn't have background info. I decided maybe there was stuff I could chip in with. I have the series on DVD, and the producers really went way out in terms of commentary tracks for the episodes. There's about 27 commentary tracks, I think, in total on the discs, with a wide range of speakers from the cast, crew, fans... Heck, even the parents of some of the actors. Oh man, if I could hear James Franco's mom talk about her son on the show. Um, I figured I could listen to some of them and take notes to send you guys for fun. I'll keep them limited to the actual show tidbits, and uh, a lot of because a lot of it is just them joking around on the commentary and uh, talking about stuff they've done since then. Here's some stuff from the first four episodes. Uh, Sam and Lindsay's parents didn't originally have a big role, uh, but. A producer pushed Paul Feig to use Joe Flaherty, that's Mr. Uh, Weir, uh, more, so Feig based him more on his own dad attitude with him saying things like, if you do this, you'll die. Linda Cardellini was cast first. Millie took the longest to cast until Sarah Hagen walked in and started talking to the producers, and they were like, there she is! Uh, Lee Shepard, that's Alan, was found in an open casting call. Or, I'm sorry, that's, that's Harris, not Alan. Wrote the part of Harris for him. <laughs> but because he's Canadian, they had to write letters to senators to get him a work visa, saying he was the only person who could play this role. Which apparently is a common thing in Hollywood. The commentators spent a lot of time talking about how small Sam is in the show, noting how John Daly is now a 7-foot-tall football player, which I'm sure is an exaggeration, but I've seen the guy on Bones and he's definitely taller. Jason Siegel even says he's taller than me now, which is uh, hilarious and true. I remember watching a little bit of Bones and seeing him on there, and he, he got tall. Uh, Sam Levine did not. Uh, well, he kind of did. I don't know. Uh, the Come Sail Away With Me scene was based on a real-life incident that Paul Feig had in school, which is funny because that was in the first episode we talked about, like, felt like the least believable real thing in the episode, but I guess if it happened to Paul Feig, it happened. Uh, they didn't want Lindsay to wear any makeup, so Lindsay, Linda Cardellini didn't wear any while shooting. Yes, she is that damn cute all naturally. Very interesting. Not surprising. But, I mean, well, actually a little bit surprising. Like, almost all TV shows that I know, all the actors wear makeup. So, uh, that's like a cool thing. Um, and you don't really notice it. It doesn't really make a big difference, in my opinion. In this, at least in the show. They kept using the same extras in the background to get a feel of a real high school with the same students. Yes, yes, yes. Most notably, Lizzie Kaplan, who wasn't even named in the pilot, got a few lines by episode four and eventually got written a huge story part in the final episode. Oh, I do remember that, actually. Yeah. She's cool. I know uh, Nick talks to her at one point. Uh, Jason Siegel would rub his eyes. Oh, hey, this is actually great. Jason Siegel would rub his eyes red before each take to make Nick look stoned. In the opening credits, you can see him off to the side doing this as Seth Rogen is having his picture taken. Siegel didn't know he was in the camera's line of sight. 
that is so cool as both a piece of meta commentary and like it works as what we talked about before which is it seems like nick is trying not to blink but then it's also like oh no but jason siegel's trying to look high that's super interesting i, I i'm loving these comment these little bits of commentary trivia that you found dax uh john daly noted how mad he was during the filming of the egg throwing scene uh, in back in trick and treats he had to get egged several times and to top things off once they finished a bird crapped on him that's just a bad day that's just like i'm gonna go home and just sob that's like real tough kim kelly is my friend was written to be the third episode but nbc said it was quote too scary and pushed it back in the end it never aired on nbc and wasn't broadcast until the year 2000 on other channels well too scary what i guess the car seems a little bit intense but it's like that's life sorry um all of that was based on real life uh the real life of the writer mike white who went to an older female cousin's house when he was a kid she had been going out with friends and telling her parents she was hanging out with him at some point, the family got in a big fight, resulting in a door being kicked down and her parents trying to take away her car. They started grilling him about if he had really been spending time with her, and he burst into tears. Years later, he thought it would make a good funny story for TV. That is so good. That is like, hey, to all the younger people out there, you're going to have some really weird, dumb, frustrating, sad, scary shit happen to you in life. If you, You're going to make it out of all of it, and you're going to have some great stories to tell people, and you're going to value those stories forever. That's a fact. Paul Feig wanted Busy Phillips to be a regular cast member, but the networks limited the number that they could have her in per season. That's why she isn't in the opening credits. Wow, I never considered that. Huh. As far as everyone else, she is considered full-time regular uh, like the rest of the crew. Huh. <laughs> Here's a great one. James Franco didn't want Busy Phillips to throw fake slaps in the kitchen scene, so she really went to town on his face. So much so that by the end, he uh, was swelling. <laughs> That's all I got. Looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts on the episode as always. Thank you, Dax. I basically did read that whole email. I thought I wasn't going to, but I can read fast if need be. I try to keep these mailboxes under 15 minutes, and I did it, as long as I don't talk for the next three minutes about some shit. You can email us, as always, at uh, chatspod at gmail.com, excuse me, I almost forgot, and at chatspod, C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D, to do cool tweets, send us cool tweets, that's the word, uh, like our buddy Angela. And with that in mind, please enjoy the second half of our episode with our friend jessia where we discuss girlfriends and boyfriends hey we're back the second episode that we watched this week was girlfriends and boyfriends it was written by paul feig and paul feig according to imdb (laughs) (laughs) he has creator and writing credits twice two passes at it oh and patty lynn sorry that looked like paul feig from far away shout out to patty lynn great work uh and it was directed by leslie linka glatter was a woman according to time yeah cool she did um oh my god she worked on the newsroom and homeland and the walking dead yeah she's like big good for you leslie linka glad i rock on um but you made a kind of again not amazing episode of freezing <laughs> i um i like some of the places this episode went a lot but i kind of found it and this is like a really bad thing to say for a show that only went for 18 episodes i kind of found it boring in spots y'all mm. I feel like it spun its wheels a little bit, um, which is weird because it starts off with some rock and music. I don't even know what I'm talking about in this note that says starting off with the Allman Brothers song Whipping Post. Like I wrote the song, but I didn't write the context of the scene. So I can't for the life of me remember how the episode starts. Oh, my God. That's you know, nope. 
And then I wrote, and yet sliding right into that booty. What is this? Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, 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 um, oh. It starts with the scene where Lindsay is walking through the school <gasps> and looking at everybody. Oh, and she sees all the people dating. And it's all, yes. And she's seeing couples and stuff. She sees those two people making out against the Drama Guild poster. And yep. that she keeps looking back at them. Yeah. Like Orpheus or something. Um, oh, and then I wrote sliding to that booty because Nick decides to pull a Nick and slide yes. his hand right into her jeans. Yeah, but like struggles with it. Like he can't get through to her tight mom jeans. <laughs> her, her like bell bottom. Ugh, Nick. Nick. Well, my what's boy. great is this episode, its greatest failing is that it, it still doesn't want you to truly hate Nick. It's kind of like, oh, Nick, you charming. I think hope. it does want you to truly hate. I th- The way that it's shot is very that moment is definitely gross. It's a little predatory. I'm looking at it right now on, on Netflix. It's bad. Yeah. And then Lindsay looks like disgusted. And then the best part is that creepy dude with the long mm-hmm. curly hair goes, yeah, nice. Grab me a piece of that, Nick. <laughs> and then like does the squeezy hand motion. And then that's the cut to the theme song. It's like one of the nastiest cold opens that the show has ever seen. <laughs> but um, what did y'all think of Girlfriends and Boyfriends as, as one of those yourselves? Um, I thought it was pretty representative of sort of our early days and kind of our relationship and sort oh, of... Oh, you're making a joke. Yeah, it's one of those jokes. I'm tired. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. It was, um... Yeah. That was the aforementioned uh, synchronicity. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. That was it. Uh, no, not um, crazy about it. I mean, the Nick stuff is just Nick stuff. Hopefully, that's gonna go to a place that's pretty swagalicious when Lindsay says, "Hey, you're doing bad stuff, big boy." But we're not there yet, so it's not pleasant. Um, and then the Sam Cindy plot, the biology partners mm-hmm. thing. There are parts of it that are fun but for the most part it is like you said most interesting thing about the sam plot was uh the character who's now i can't fucking remember his name but sam's lab partner gordon Mm -hmm. gordon's gordon's kind of great gordon's like charming he's got bad advice but like or whatever he says like here's how you get with a girl um well it's like the same advice as what the last harris as harris in the episode before almost i mean it's similar in terms of like just like stalk these girls and make sure that they like do what you know do what you want them to do and keep them from other people like literally they i think they both are like make sure that this girl doesn't meet other people and or like fall for other people yep they totally both give that advice exactly yeah yeah but also with gordon just want to say i know this is revealed at the end of the episode but the disorder that he says he has is real. Yes. It's a real disorder, which we looked up. The one that makes him smell bad. Yeah, the one that makes him smell bad. Trimethylaminer. Yes. That's it. I wrote that down. Or fish odor syndrome. Yes. As it's also called. Um, the thing I liked about Gordon is you think about high school and about these divisions between different groups, these cliques. Um, and the end of the last episode made me think about how in a lot of ways even though sometimes those divisions are framed as the popular kids creating this oppression of other groups uh, really everybody 
benefits in some way from this click system because they can find stake some sense of belonging out of their environment. And so the geeks, they don't move to the popular kid table because the geek table is where they feel like they belong. Those are their friends. And they get some pride or satisfaction out of looking at the popular kids and putting them all into one bucket. Um, and so the, the geeks are just as obsessed, if not more obsessed, with popularity than the people who are popular. And Gordon shows the sort of need that the geeks have to have somebody below them on the totem pole. Mm. But that, that concept of popularity is so toxic that they have to find somebody lower than themselves in order to make themselves feel stable. That was, um, it was less so in high school because it was just too big, but like in middle school, um, it was my middle school was so clicky and like I was kind of I was in this foursome that kind of extended like to it was like a core foursome and then there were some other people but we were basically the like B team as in like literally this one girl actually once said that like said that the popular kids were like the A team, but they still liked us because we were the B team. But we were basically the like smart, Middle but team. like still likable kids who yes. like had, you know, some relationships with the more popular kids, but like were too, uh, you know, smart and like good, <laughs> you know, like good as in like good students, good whatever to yeah. be popular. Um, and we were mostly obsessed with theater, but, um, and other, anyway. Um, but it is true. You get some like weird moral superiority over the popular kids and like intellectual superiority, but then you like also feel a sense of superiority yeah. over like the kids who are geekier than you or the kids who like struggle in various ways or like are just lower on the totem pole. I know. Uh it's it's interesting the people that they choose like it's sad also the kids that they choose to put beneath them as geeks mm. like gordon gets put beneath them because he has a condition that makes him smell bad so he's like people are put off by that and also he's very fat mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. it's like two easy easy targets and then eli is differently able so it's easy to like poke fun at him and not want to hang out with him and differ yourself from him because we as humans are obsessed with othering others and then at the same time craving like this the geeks conflict is is on one hand i really want someone to connect to me and understand me while ironically also disconnecting the people who should i should have the most solidarity with yeah if that makes yeah, sense yeah i want other people's approval but i disapprove but i but i want to a different i want to put myself as different from the people who i don't want approval from or i don't want to hang out with yeah. and that's like the ultimate sadness of it for them at least um and it's just kind of that stuff like makes it just a bummer um and we see millie early in the episode in one of the first scenes where uh you know i think Lindsay kisses nick in the hallway mm. and millie's like oh you kissed nick andopolis like well, that's horrible and then she's like millie you have a boyfriend that i've seen you kiss <laughs> right and then she, she fucking she again moral high ground millie is like but he's a church going boy yeah he's not a freak you know she pulls again pulls the mr weir where yep. she's like you know that one freak girl you know what happened to her she <laughs> has a baby she's she has crazy. a baby i'm 
I want to run down all the things that people say to Lindsay about sex in this episode because it's sort of a highlight reel of what not to talk about. I'm also realizing that the class test moment was from this episode and not the previous episode. I think I said it was the previous episode. No, it was... Which- it was this episode Which class test because the one where she turns in the test and the teacher's like, it's not a race, but if it was a race, she would have lost because when she does that in the class, she talks to Millie and says that, you know how we always used to idolize some, this one guy. Oh, it's that. And we went to the, the county fair and thought it was him and it was a different guy. Right. They right. kind of connect for a second. Yes. Um, I think I finally have a boyfriend and he wants to have sex. That's, that's. Yeah. Um, right. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about her conversation with Millie in that scene real quick. Well, M- Millie says, you know, he's a, ch- my, my boyfriend is a church going boy. Like that's okay. Yeah. But the freaks only want one thing. They, they want to take it to the next level. Like they want to just have sex. They, with yeah. You. Freaks, freaks go all the way is what she says. I want a shirt that says that. <laughs> um, it's just, it's like, oh man, Millie sucks, but at the same time, I can't hate her. Like, I can't fault her because she's a product of a society and of a Christian upbringing that, like, taught her uh, really strict morals about yeah. sex and, and, like, identity. And she's just kind of like, oh, it's a very, it's a very, like, conservative Christian well, viewpoint yeah. to take that moral high well, ground and be like, I have a boyfriend, but he's a good boyfriend. Well, and all this gendered fear-mongering around virginity and the rhetoric of like, you know, if you have sex, you're going to be a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where M- and Millie has, has bought that completely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody kind of, that's the thing that when I say she's a product of our society is everyone buys it. Yeah. Like Kim, when she hears that they're going to the, to hang out at Nick's sure. house is like, Oh, like that's exciting. You're going to do sex. Let's tell me all about it. Like, this is exciting. Cause it's a big, cause it's apparently a big deal. And then that's later, but before that, uh, Lindsay is hanging out with Rosso, mm-hmm. and yep. he hands her the pamphlet yep. that's just a girl hugging a guy, and it says, like, uh, dating, sex, and you. Yep. He's like, no, it's a good pamphlet, I swear. And he uh, tells her about how he got herpes. <laughs> and then... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. My favorite scene until later in the episode, where yep. it is easily bested. Yep. Yes. 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 The best. <laughs> also, scene. <laughs> also in that Rosso scene, this is just my like. Alan is a huge '80s music nerd. Uh, he says, "Have you listened to the new Rush album? I hear it's pretty good." And if this timeline puts us in nine in late 1980, then he's referring to the album Permanent Waves, which also features. It starts with the song "The Spirit of Radio." which to tie back to last week is the episode. It's the song that Nick listens to when he plays drums and like uh, at the beginning oh, of the wow. episode. And then his dad is like, you're bad. That's that, it's that song. Hmm. So he was listening to a new album. That's cool. This show does the smart thing where it tells you exactly where and when it took place. So it takes place in Detroit in the end of 1980. Um, and so you can like play with history and like do ex- whenever they reference something, you can get exact timelines. Yeah. Like, they say like oh the lot like let's go see airplane in theaters and it's like yep it was still in theaters because it's 1980 or when we saw empire strikes back like that all, all those things they they were really good about all that stuff lining up very well yeah definitely so ross was bad at telling her about sex everyone's um, bad everyone's bad talking about sex daniel is in the classroom with her and he's like nick's a great guy yeah. he's like i know and he's like no nick's a stud 
Yeah. She's like, that's great. He's like, no, but you should fuck me. (laughs) This, I think you had a question about this, Jesse. And we're trying to piece this, figure this out. Is how experienced is Nick? Right. Because at first it felt like, it felt like it might be, like he might not have had sex before at Uh the beginning. Especially when, especially when Daniel's like, he's a stud. Like, and it seems like this is so important for him because he's still a virgin or something. And it's like a matter of pride. But then at the, you know, near the end of the episode, he like, yeah, he says like, I've done this, I've, like, rushed things before, and, like, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to do that with you. So, clearly, he's uh, done the song and dance. That and the dime bag give Nick a weird sense of backstory that we've never seen before. Like, oh, my God, Nick has, like, a past. Like, he's 16, 17, maybe. I mean, he, like, he always puts on this positive face, and it's always cracked in half. I don't think he's ever had a moment of expressing joy or happiness that seemed 100% genuine to me. Hmm. It always seems put on and like, he's really struggling with something underneath that. Yeah. And I hope we, I, 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 that's the stuff that I like about Nick's character is that feeling that he is doing what so many people do in this show. And even in the theme song, which is just put on faces. Um, hmm. So he is like, Hey, again Lindsay really wants to just like do stuff and not just be lazy he's like you want to just like hang out and just do make make out and stuff mm-hmm. and then she's like let's go see a movie have you seen elephant, elephant man? man yeah and you're like that, you couldn't have picked a worse date movie oh, oh that's that like a very sad her being like yeah I don't... oh do you want to see like the saddest movie the yeah. saddest movie about a man who is yeah deformed or whatever yes uh, okay, so I guess I didn't pick up on that. I thought Lindsay was just bad at picking <laughs> no, tape movies. Trying to send him a message, and then he's like, "No, my parents are out of the house, uh, so let's just like hang out at my place," which is code for let's sex. Let's do the Except sex. It's not code. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of people openly talking about sex in the scene where Daniel is like oh nick's a stud he also yeah. flirts with a teacher and doesn't get in trouble he's yeah. like he talks about wanting to fuck the teacher to her face yeah she says don't you have something to do and he says something like i thought we were going to do that after class and then she says i don't remember what she i don't says. remember either but then he goes i like that dress yeah after she leaves nasty boy yeah she says something like in your dreams or fresh or i don't know something <laughs> fresh he can't Red. fucking talk to a, a person like that, let alone a teacher. Also, that, yeah, that's the only, that's like the second, fe- we've seen two female teachers on the show so far. One of them was like a crotchety, angry old lady, and the other one was this one. Yeah. So, you're 0-2 freaking <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, There's that part, there's the, oh, and then when they were Also, all interesting about- to think that, sorry, interesting to yeah. think that um, the second female teacher we've seen has been she was proctoring a study hall. So we've only really seen one woman as like a teacher of any sort of content. Right. And one of them is just a pretty lady who does study hall. It's like, come on. Yeah. Maybe it's just the eighties, but that's not how it was. It was like the opposite for us. It's primarily woman teachers. Uh, Kowchevsky gets a moment to be a, t- a horrible person when they're all in the in the hallways flirting, and he goes, "Last one to class, first one into welfare." <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah, it's really funny because also with Rosso, like 
they're the, all the teachers and adults, their MO is like you either like go to college and succeed and make something of yourself or you end up in jail or pregnant or on the streets. Those are like the two options or pumping right. gas, which is like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As someone who, who, who my father pumped gas, pumps right. gas for a living. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, that's a living. You can get all you can make it start a family. Right. With a dog. Come on. Or when people like often in shows like make fun of garbage men or something or garbage women mm-hmm. like yeah they make a lot of money <laughs> they do because nobody else wants to do it right i don't like yeah I, I hate the using people like you're gonna have a bad job if you don't work hard um mentality yeah. to whip kids into shape because it's not a good way to do that it just makes them afraid of jobs that are not fitting into the like capitalistic norm let's not get started on this <laughs> we'll talk about this forever if we do we then go to the the geeks who are in biology class uh again male teacher uh where uh they get split up into new lab partner groups which was that a thing i don't remember if that was a thing i don't think lab so Lab partners i think so well like lab partners was a thing but i was never like oh i really hope i get matched up like oh I rem- I, I remember getting seats switched in classes like every quarter. Yeah. And then you got all excited. But the the difference is like in this they talk what is the line? I think Gordon says it where he's like lab part being lab partners is basically like being stranded on a desert island with someone. Oh yeah. It's like you're going to do one project together and like split the work and then turn it in. That's that's what being lab partners is yeah. for you. But that's a very like you in small in high school you tend to have a very small mind small worldview small brain, mm-hmm. so that makes that line makes sense, and uh, Sam just really wants to get matched with Cindy because somehow that'll spark something. Of course he doesn't. He gets matched with stinky shitty boy Gordon. <laughs> oh no! Oh, not Gordon. Ah. Oh, Gordon suck. He's a. And meanwhile, who gets matched with Cindy? It's Boo. It's lovable, perfect, that, young, yeah. sweet cinnamon roll bill. That joke is starting to get a little old for me. Which? Where whenever there's a thing with, like, who gets to talk to this girl? Or it's bill. who does the girl talk to? Or who's the lab partner? It's Bill. I don't know. Oh, I guess that did happen two times in a row. Two times in a row, yeah. I think it's because in their friend group, Sam and Neil are like opposing heads. They're like the red and blue states. And then Bill is just like chaotic neutral. Like, I don't care. I have no stake in anything. So like, well, picking me doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah, well, I think it's just that um, Sam, it can't be Sam because he's the conflict in the arc of the he episode. He has to learn something. He has to episode. center around Sam. And then Neil is too much of a of an old man with <laughs> like clear-eyed intentions and plans about things um so it makes sense that it's bill but it's all i it's a little predictable yeah um and then even i think like in the other episode when they're drawing the the, the papers and then they're like why does bill get to do it and then neil or um sam says it's because I, I don't trust you. He just says straight up to Neil, I don't choose you because I don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, friends, good friends. Um, the only thing that I liked about the Geeks plot is that it kind of almost gave us a Cindy episode. Yeah, um, it gave us more Cindy than we've ever had before. Much more, which I liked. I was like, oh, it's cool to see, you know, Cindy has that that scene where she's walking down the street with Sam. And yeah. she's like, 
that's a great scene where she's like all of the jocks and stuff expect that they're like oh you're a cheerleader so you don't need to always be happy but sometimes i'm not i'm just mad you know like i just have my period and it's like who cares right and i was like fuck yeah cindy good for you you do you girl yeah, yeah. and then that scene that seems just like a good but i mean if you are in sam's mindset then that's the yellow flag of emotional honesty where it's like uh oh she's opening up to me like she's venting to me that means maybe this won't work oh no which is stupid um or just oh no she's not the marble statue that i've yeah constructed in my mind anymore yeah yeah which i loved that's why i'm saying it's like i love that but sam is clearly like oh no she farts she has a period i know oh my god (laughs) deserves to hear that um because when, cause when she's like, oh, Bill, come to my house and we'll hang out. Again, Sam is like, oh, I hate it. Why don't you just marry her, you garbage? And it's like, shut up, Sam. They're working. And Bill, harmless little Bill, goes to her house. And she has this like perfect Barbie pink room with lots of pastels. <laughs> and one chair. And it's like a pink, uh, uh, what does he say? Vinyl chair. Mm-hmm. She loves and- Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. And she she says I watched uh, like my parents only let me watch the Muppet Show, which is perfect and precious. Except sometimes the Muppet Show got kind of referential, <laughs> so it's like watching The Simpsons when you're young and not getting the references and just being like, I like The Simpsons. Um, but she and then also her like seeing the fact that it it's not just that she is perfect; it's that her parents have been trying to construct her to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is a good explanation for Cindy yeah um because they're like oh she they, they don't let me watch she kind of is like the girl from bridge to terabithia oh it's a good yeah, it's a bad book but i always remember that the girl is like my parents don't we don't have a tv and that's a big deal in that book it's like why don't you have technology it's because they want you to be like you know mm. and uh, outdoorsy um except she dies in that and then she fucking dies yeah. whoops sorry spoilers for like a 20 year old young adult novel um Lindsay or Lindsay. Uh, Cindy, Cindy only eats uh, fruit and vegetables for snacks, and like a beautiful gilded plate that she brings into the room, and she's like, "Let's have snacks." <laughs> Bill's like, "Can we have chips or something or cookies?" Yeah. She's like, "No, I don't know what those are." <laughs> like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> um, which is, she ran the muscular dystrophy carnival's ice cream booth. She clearly knows about sweets. <laughs> That's true. Classic, classic Cindy. Um, and so they're working, and they're kind of nice. And then, uh oh, she got up from the chair and it made a noise. Oh my god, did she cut the cheese? Guys, I think Cindy cut the cheese in front of me. Wow. We must be dating now. You can only marry someone if you're okay. To- they have that like stupid conversation, which was in the first episode, by the way. That's true. They talk about cutting the cheese in yeah, relationships. Yeah, a, a and the, lot and of yeah, girls farting and farting with girls, and it's like a big deal. For some reason, yeah, because girls can't marry never her. fart. Yeah, they literally you. I know. I know for a fact they don't fart. Right. No, they fart. Girls fart. And boys One fart. smart fella, she smelled farts. There you go. Have you ever heard that tongue twister? Yeah, I've heard it. Mm-mm. You want to do it for me real quick? I don't know the whole thing. You should do it because Jesse hasn't heard it. One smart fellow, he smelled farts. Whole- One smart yeah. fellow, he smelled smarts. One smart fellow, he smelled smarts. One smart fellow, he smelled smart. He that bit. Oh, it's it's supposed to be felt smart. It's and then you say smelled farts. I'm stupid. <laughs> I said it wrong <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> Anywho, is it's talking about farts. It's that, but that's the thing is the episode spends a lot of time talking about farts. It does. It's no fun. Um, 
and you know cindy is just that for a while and then why do oh and then so basically yeah sam is hanging out with gordon in his room and there's that dumb scene where he gives gordon the pencil and gordon immediately like chews it puts it in his nose picks his ear with it and then hands it back to sam (laughs) so bad see i was so bad you guys i didn't think that was that bad i thought it the ear part was a Mm -hmm. lot but him chewing on the pencil felt normal it felt normal it felt almost like a seinfeld episode where like george was working with someone at work on a project and they chew the pencil and then he goes into the living room with jerry and he's like he was chewing the pencil jerry he was chewing the pencil you can't chew the pencil the pen and then give it back yeah and that's the plot of that seinfeld episode i thought that was gonna be the thing with gordon is that he was just had some like unhygienic habits and that would have been a more interesting angle with this sin like i would have been more i would have more easily stomached them talking about cindy chewing a pencil than them making a big deal about her farting for something about that seems more it would have seemed like the episode was making fun of the geeks more i think i don't know well yeah because because then all they end up doing with gordon is that he's, he gives quote-unquote good relationship advice mm-hmm. which is actually really bad he says basically stalk her join all of her clubs and but also make sure she doesn't fall works i guess right it totally works which is like a bad lesson to teach people yeah also i didn't know you could join clubs in the middle of the semester but whatever it's high school who cares yeah exactly and it's a yearbook um, club and apparently you oh can my propose. god that thing she reads is hilarious yeah i didn't even understand the mechanics of that scene. well yeah it didn't make sense that you it seemed like they were pitching articles, articles and then she had already written it but like but it was like 20 words and then the guy was like okay sylvia plath <laughs> That's too sad for the yearbook, which is <laughs> stupid and a bad way to flourish people's artistic. No, and then he, yeah, and then he was like, "We don't want to tell the truth." <laughs> yeah, what is the exact line? We want to sell yearbooks, not tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dog, <laughs> that would have been way more memorable. Instead, we want to sell yearbooks, not tell the truth. Anyways, let, we need to sell ads. Mm-hmm. Fucking bad, bad. That's bad a ads. lot of people in that yearbook club. There's- yeah, way more people than you need in a yearbook club. Yeah, especially because the school is like 30 people. <laughs> yeah, that's half of them. <laughs> that's half the yearbook. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people join the yearbook club to have credit as the joining a club. It's like the easiest. It's like a cheat club, basically. Mm-hmm. It looks good on a transcript, I guess. That was all, I remember that being a thing. Uh, Lindsay, we get back to her room, and there's like some Nick stuff. And she has, I just pointed out Lindsay's room because she has a journey poster that we I didn't notice before. Oh. The Weir family household full of great posters. I know you, Majan, were messaging me like last week being like, we don't talk about enough about the posters in the Weir household. The wallpaper. Or yeah. Oh, no, no I'm sorry. The wallpaper. You're no. right. It's very 80s. Um, but yeah, so we go back to the geeks and uh, Cindy and Sam need to get ads for the yearbook and he's like i own my dad owns a sporting goods store (laughs) and we finally get to see the sporting goods store and it's one of the it's another like really cool set uh and mr seems like a nice store yeah it's like pretty high end and there's like wood and and you know he has like a lot of customers and employees i think it's supposed Um, to be right it's a chain store that i think he owns one of if i understood that correctly uh 
but he's selling sports good stuff and then he's like oh somebody he just gets another like chance to do mr weird lines where he's like oh somebody moved all the balls which <laughs> <laughs> is a line that means nothing but is delivered beautifully yeah uh and then does his best to be a good supportive bro uh wingman dad <laughs> he's like i'll buy <laughs> i'll buy a whole page of ads uh or you know he says like i don't like an eighth for 25 dollars i could pay a hundred for a thing in the sunday paper and he's like no but dad it's a big deal to me i want to fuck this girl <laughs> if you pay us then maybe i get to which is stupid and, and the dad's like okay i see really solid acting from the dad in this scene mm-hmm. like you can Where he's it's a lot of like non you can tell what he's thinking really throughout the entire scene you can see the monkey turning the crank in the head (laughs) like oh oh and as soon as he suggests they're they're talking about where they're going to go next and as soon as they are making suggestions he says oh well you know you cover more ground if you split up and immediately on his face you can see whoops whoops didn't mean to mess up my son's whole steez that much but i did it Sorry, Sam. And I'm not sad about it. Yeah, whoopsie. and now I've sp- bought this yearbook ad that I didn't want anyway. For what is it? If it's twenty five for an eighth, what's twenty five? Two hundred dollars, which again <laughs> in nineteen eighties dollars would be about six hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so much money, so that his son can be friend zone. Yep, exactly. Um. And speaking of Mr. Weir, the next scene that I have written down here is coming back oh to the Lindsay God. having sex stuff. This is amazing. Uh, this is the best scene. Mm-hmm. Is this the, the career scene? Is this the one oh, you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have any of the lines written down, unfortunately. But he's like, uh, you know, sex is a whole thing. And, you know, well, they, and then yeah, it kind of so like goes. Well, here's how it builds up this way. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a rose on the counter. And yes. the mom is really excited about this because it means that Lindsay has a suitor. She wants to hear all about it. No, really, seriously, I do. <laughs> like, tell me about the sex. Like, geez. She doesn't say that, but that's what she means. No, it's weird. She doesn't want her to have sex. Yeah. Oh, oh you're right. Tell me no, about the true. smooches. Oh, yeah. The benign nightly smooches. <laughs> nightly, I meant like with a K. K and, yeah. Like a courteous. Nightly Smooches with a K is my uh, wrestler name. I'm in the WWE. Nightly Smooches. Um, then at dinner, it's the folks and Lindsay, and Mrs. Weir tells Mr. Weir about the Rose. Immediately, he gets upset about that. Who is this boy? Who is this Joker? Is what he says. Um, she says it's Nick, another one of those burnouts she's always hanging around with. Um, and then he forbids her from dating him. Cool, solid dad. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I know what a rose means. I sent your mother. <laughs> I, know. I sent your mother a single uh, rose. I know exactly when I sent it and why. I yeah. Sent it. <laughs> I also like that the way that they reintroduce who Nick is to the family is that they go, "Isn't he the one who stole the fruit roll?" That was amazing. Who ate all my fruit roll ups? Because that was so prominent in that other episode. Uh-huh. Right, and then Lindsay's like, no, but he asked. She's like, I know, but it's still, he took a her lot face, of it. Her face is just like, I know, but like, <laughs> it was kind of weird. It's a great line reading on that oh, line. Yeah. Um, then 
Lindsay gets upset. The mom goes off and you think that it's going to be a scene where like the mom goes to her room and talks to her daughter, which actually would have been kind of cool to have a mom daughter scene that was of some substance. Um, but instead Lindsay's on the couch and both parents sit down in synchronicity next to her and sandwiching her, sandwiching her. Yes. And start talking about just, yes, how she shouldn't have sex because it's like a big deal and they want to protect her and blah, blah, blah. And, um, then the mom's like, Hey, tell her about Korea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, so he says, basically, again, I should find the... I might just play the clip here. How about that? Well, one day, I uh, went into Seoul on a a weekend pass and went to this bar. And I had a few too many. And I followed a couple of my buddies to the red light district your father's first time wasn't special and he's always regretted it it was the worst five dollars i've ever spent and i wish i could get that five dollars back and it's just so well done because it's just like it it's like it kind of goes dark it feels like it's going dark it's like and now for some real shit he's like i was in the red light district (laughs) some shit happened prostitute worst five dollars yeah he's like i wish i could see that five (laughs) dollars mr we're so obsessed with money in a way that reminds me of my dad my dad is like if i if i like hit a chair if i sit down on a chair hard he's like that chair costs money i'm like mr we're so that but also oh just the mom being like your dad's first time wasn't special the the mom is funny actually in that moment (laughs) like he regret regrets it (laughs) Yeah. To this day, he still regrets it, so you need to not regret yours. And Lindsay spends 90% of this episode mouth agape. Like, what are people telling me? I don't know how to register any of this advice. Yeah, if my, she, then if, she looks like Sam. Yeah. Does 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Weird face. Weird face. Weird face. Um, if know. my dad sat me down and was like, hey, man... Just wanted to let you know that the first time I ever had sex was with a prostitute in Korea. I think I'd say, Dad, I need to take a break from you or my dad for a hot minute here. Yeah. Just take a walk. That would be so weird. Yeah. Especially at like 17. And Lindsay gives the reaction as if they were talking about something normal sex related where she goes, uh, you know... Oh, God, stop. I don't want to hear this in the classic teenager way. Instead of reacting as if her dad had just told her that he lost his virginity to a prostitute in Korea. While he was drunk. Yes. For $5. For $5. (laughs) Everything about that is masterfully crafted. This show just writes certain things like brilliant paintbrush strokes and then other times it's like crayola crayon fillings you <laughs> <laughs> can't decide um but then so yeah that's the that's a lot of her sex stuff and then we get the part where uh cindy actually talks to sam not bill and uh. says hey do you want to go to shucky shunkles with me <laughs> yeah i don't know what it's called 
It's Five Guys, y'all. It's like a generic burger. It's like In and Out. All right, West Coasters. Okay. Mm. It's In and Out. Uh, and then they go, and we get another little bit of scene development where she's like, I, I sneak out after school to eat food because my parents don't let me eat meat or burgers. Mm. Which is like kind of cool. And Sam like loses his appetite watching her eat a burger. He's like, oh man, like you really Does that like, love bacon cheese. Well, it just seemed like he was put he off. Was, by that? He was put off, and then he immediately offered her some of his fries. It was so weird. It was really weird. And she's like, yeah, thanks. I'll eat those. Like, <laughs> the cartoon version of her in his head right there is like, she's like, her belt is popping off, and she's like, golf. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, really, she's, she's just eating a fucking burger, dog. She's really not doing like, anything. Chill weird. out. Sam has zero chill, I think is what we're learning about this show. Uh, Sam Weir has absolutely zero chill. That's where Weir Face comes from, is the fact that basic things in life break his his world apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, and then, again, speaking of breaking his world apart, he finds out that, oops, there's a boy, and his name is Todd, and he's very attractive, and Cindy likes him. Yeah. And all I wanted, all I wanted was for the rest of the episode to be about her talking about how much she wants to fuck Todd. I was like, please, just ruin <laughs> the thing. rest of the scene. Her me a lot the whole how so but just then her being like oh it's so i get so nervous talking to him it's not like with you sam I'm so comfortable you're like my sister it's just it hurt it's, you personally it was just a it just was very visceral it is it is and it, it on one hand it's like i've felt that but that's again the nick part of high school me that like yeah. i never it's it's when i used to use the word friend zone and thought that that was like a thing mm-hmm. it's like no i can't be friends with her now everything's ruined so in the, but what's great is like in that moment that's sam and that sucks and sam's bad because he's sad that cindy is opening up to him i guess mm-hmm. fucking bummer dude sorry um and then at the end of the episode when she calls him on the phone he's like decides to be an adult and just listen yeah. And I really appreciated that. Yep. Right? And, and also, we'll get to that scene, but that scene's delightful. Probably my favorite scene in the uh, top. We're getting to my favorite scene in the episode, actually. There's two. Um, to just do quickly, pivot back to Nick and the gang. Uh, Nick, he gets caught with a dime bag in his locker at some point in the past, and that's why he can't. He was like, he had a. When Lindsay's in the house with him, he had a trophy, and she's like, I didn't know you were on a sports yeah, basketball team. Basketball trophies. Yeah, which, perfect. Of course, Jason Siegel played basketball. Um, he's very tall. Yeah, very tall. Uh, and and then he's like, "Let's go downstairs." And Lindsay knows where this is going. Uh, this is the scene that I'm talking about. That was like maybe my favorite scene of the episode. It's so weird. <laughs> so weird. I like it was how weird. Such it is. Such a roller coaster of whether or not I liked Nick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, my question was like, did again the the universal question? Do they want me to like Nick? No, the, I mean the way that it's shot at the end with him spooning her and her staring bleakly at the ceiling. It's like some requiem for a dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like that scene when Harry met Sally, where they just had sex, and mm-hmm. Harry's face is totally blank. You're not supposed to read that as a nice scene. You're supposed to feel weird about it. And so this, you're supposed to feel really weird. Right, because they go downstairs, and they're on the bed, and then, or Lindsay's sitting, and Nick's like, I want to play you this song, and it's Lady by Styx. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, 
this very he says i know this is corny but he proceeds to sing the whole first verse of lady to her <laughs> well he, ta- he talks along with it or he kind of like yeah. and he misses lines a lot it's kind of well done yeah. it's kind of like oh jason siegel kills it yeah he does totally and then like leans in and like goes in for the hug or whatever and then they kind of like art together she's like well i guess this is happening and then am i remembering this correctly where she's like oh i guess we're doing this and then She's like, don't you want to, like, do it? And he's like, nope, this is fine. Well, no, he, yeah. in, during his presentation, yeah. he says, let's take it slow. Yes, bef- I've gone fast before. Yeah, like just said earlier. And then Lindsay's like, do, she's like, want to make out or something? And he's like, no, I just want to hold you. Uh, it's totally that like zoom out it's so if you'll have seen Requiem for a dream one of the like saddest fucked up movies ever the like shot towards the end where it's just like everybody in the fetal position zooming out from their bodies it's kind of that where Lindsay's like uh well it just feels uncomfortable when these like sexist guys are like think that they're being really like not sexist or like really like gentlemany or like something I don't know like, if you were going to do it, then do it. Like, that could have been such a more interesting, like, realistic scene. Because actually, in my opinion, that, like, I just want to hold you is not realistic. That's, like, really weird and off. I don't know anyone like that. I, 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 I think it's weird because the problem is not him just wanting to hold her. That's okay. Yeah. The problem is the way he's presenting his intentions as, like, well, you know, the expectation here is that I'm going to want to fuck you, right? And yeah. we all know that normally that's how it would go, but I'm making the decision mm-hmm. to pace things differently, and you should be grateful for that. Good for right, me, right? Right, It felt like, like, oh, women, like, women think we only want sex, but, like, women want want to be held like that's what i got like women want to be want things to go slower and want to be cared for and held and be sang to and yeah right so it's like so i'm gonna hold you that's the first step not even make out i'm just gonna hold you but it's but he's doing it for the purpose of having sex with her later right it's still he's still trying to earn like nice guy points right yes exactly that's what i mean by these like guys who are like sexist trying thinking that they're being good guys it as again i as someone who who started flirting and being flirted with very late and light later in my days like it feels like a dishonest way of being like here's how flirting works sometimes like you kind of like he's thinking like you earn your way up to it but and it's kind of poking the joke at people that say like i just want to be held there are totally people who would just say that in a not weird way the way he does it is weird because like you said it feels like he's just trying to run the the shitty bases metaphor Mm -hmm. but i think there's nothing wrong with saying i would like us to start with something more intimate and just like personal yeah there's a way to say that where like you're you're there and you both are leaning into kiss and then you're like oh you know what i i want to take it slow that's different than saying, look, I lit all these candles and I prepared this tape so that I could put on the show of saying I want to take it slow. And I right. want to hold you, not I want to be held. That's too- right, yeah. Yeah, that too. Very good point. Oh, man, it's weird. 
It's weird. If they just had sex, that could have been a whole different plot line. Where it's just like, oh, we have to contend with the fact that we just did that. That was something. About where to go from there. Um, and maybe they do later in the show. I don't know, man. I It bums me out a little bit that this was like the sex episode. You know what I mean? Because mm. I think stories about s- sex in high school are interesting and worth talking about. Especially in this time period where it was a little bit more common. But at the same time, it just, uh, they could have done, I don't know, they could have done it better. And also Nick sucks. We come out of this episode continuing to think that Nick sucks. I actually think that this scene and the way that Nick is portrayed in it, I, I don't think there is like a, they could have done it better. Like, I think this is actually a really important way of framing this um, because it is a pointed critique of men who think that they're being the good guy but are still carrying these assumptions that they are in control of setting the pace and that they know what women want and they don't need to ask what women want because they like they know and they know all the steps and they're gonna do things the way that they know that things are supposed to be done um and i think the direction really feeds into that message that the scene is trying to send um, with, I mean, Jason Siegel obviously is killing it, but we can't forget the fact that Linda Cardellini is also doing a really awesome job with just the reaction shots that she's being given. And we're kind of with her on this journey of, oh, maybe Nick's okay. And there are moments where she's genuinely, she seems amused or happy with him but then moments of what is he trying to do oh you want to just make out or something like i really want this to stop i really want you to not be weird but then it it gets weird um so i like i i mean i'm i don't know i'm not a woman so i can't speak to this but i would imagine that like this is the kind of thing that many women have to contend with what kind of thing? Just like men behaving in this way. You're nodding. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we have a woman on the podcast. We can like get this. Men behaving in like a nightmare. Possessive and kind of presumptive way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moral stories, men are bad. Not always, whatever. Um, well, but even a in, lot of this. Yeah, not just in romantic things, but even in like you know friendships or like other yes yeah there are no there are no are there any good male and female like friendships on this show the only thing i can think of is like kim and the freaks but kim also is like dating daniel yeah no so no so there isn't any it's so unfortunate but that's again that's high school there aren't any good female relationships yeah female to female are there any two friends? Kim and Lindsay are getting there. They don't really ever talk alone, mm. though. True. There's no, like, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test at all. Because no. they don't, again, they don't talk. And 100% when they do, it's about other guys. So, yeah, good point. This show just needs, like, wait, name me all the women on the show. You got Millie. There are no women, Lindsay. I know. Millie, Lindsay, Kim, Mrs. Weir, the two teachers. <laughs> Maureen, Cindy. Cindy, Cindy. I think that's it. And like two of those are non are like non. Well, many of them are. Yeah. The show is not diverse at all. No. Fuck. No. Um. Oh yeah. Moral of the story is 
this was the dating episode and it was kind of awkward just like real dating and the sex and the relationships and all that so uh whether or not you think that they succeeded or failed is up to you the listener um (laughs) that was fun folks i enjoyed that a lot uh magellan can you do me a quick favor yes sir Ooh, ooh, ooh! i just squeezed my stomach like a fucking uh pillsbury doughboy like i got excited uh can you read one episode description and then jesse read the other one? Oh, that is a fun little thought yeah next week we're watching two more episodes of freaks and geeks the first is episode nine we've got spirit sam's plan to woo cindy by becoming the school mascot goes awry Lindsay wants to break up with nick <laughs> The freaks battle students from a rival school. The second sentence of that sounds like it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, And the second episode is episode 10, The Diary. Tired of being harassed by Coach Fredericks, Bill lashes out with prank (sighs) phone calls. (sighs) Lindsay's parents violate her trust by reading her diary. (gasps) (gasps) Whoa, Bill. Bill, 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 Bill Havershock. (laughs) Sounds like a Groundhog Day guy. Bill, no, it's Phil. Sorry. Yeah, Um, and the little, the little like thumbnail. Thumbnail is Bill doing a Bill doing a facepalm. Facepalm Bill. Facepalm Bill. Bill. Let's all be a little bit facepalm Bill this week, folks. Um, (laughs) Jessia. Thank you so much for joining us this week. <laughs> it was fun. Yay. Sorry, I'm like Yay. so tired. I'm We're so... always so tired. I know, but I'm like, I'm really tired. That was really fun. Thanks for having me. We wouldn't be young people. We wouldn't be young millennials if we weren't constantly tired. I suppose that's true, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but also we're really lazy. Don't forget that we're lazy and we don't really have jobs. Lazy. We don't know how we to don't do care work. about anything. We expect everything to be handed to us, but we're also yep, the yep. hardest working generation and we care about a lot of shit, whatever. Everything was handed to us, but also nothing was handed to us. Yeah. Ugh, millennials. Yeah. Ugh. That's the show, really. It's really about millennials. Yeah. Every, Isn't there a weird thing about trophy. how the characters on the show are the baby boomers, by the way? Um, What? Are they? No, they're not. No, no they're, they're, not. they're Gen they're X, dog. This is Gen X. These fucking Gen Xers. Their parents are. Are their parents baby mm. boomers? Uh, not exactly. No, their parents are a little older. Point is, it's weird that they're jet like the, these characters are our parents actually. Yes. If, I think the years the years um, almost line up. Not mine. They're younger than they're my younger parents. yes they're like true. 10 okay. years younger i think mm-hmm. okay ish. so they're like the parents of today's teens yeah but i think in some cases some of the people our age have parents who are their age it's like yeah definitely different. people have kids different ages true so go out there and have your own kids <laughs> give some advice for the listener go and have kids no don't just go um go watch more freaks and geeks Go think about what it was like in high school and uh, send us feedback. You can tweet at us at chatspod, C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. You can email us, chatspod at gmail.com, spelled the same way. We got our first email and we're going to read it next week. We got that during this recording. Shout out to that person. And I can be found on Twitter at Alan Ibrahim, spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H. 
I am Magellan. You can find me on Twitter at JustAFluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. And you can't find me on Twitter. <laughs> Good. Is there a like a thing you want to plug? Are you anywhere that people can exist and like yeah. check you out? Good. Not yet. Ooh. <laughs> but look into the stars. Now, I'm a millennial. I'm up and coming. <laughs> Just check Broadway in like five years and you'll be like, oh, who, whoa, Very from Freeze Trots? <laughs> <laughs> from Freeze The actor? <laughs> oh, that was another thing. They made a Ronald Reagan the actor joke in these episodes. Yeah, they said oh, he's very good with a monkey. That was the first episode. There are lots of dialogue about the freaks being like, we watch things that are current. <laughs> yeah, the geeks. The geeks. Thank you so much for listening to Freeze Chats. Have a good week.